Hello and welcome to the Modern Reformer podcast. The mission of the Modern Reformer is the edification of the saints through the recovery of the historic faith. I'm your host, Mitchell Roten, joined by my co-host, Avery Roten. How we doing? Morning. Morning. We have convinced Nathan and Damon to return again. I won't even call you guest at this point. It's true. It's more like, I would say... Our other members. Extended family. Our yeah. our other board. Yeah. It's good to be back home. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad here. to have you back. Yeah. You came in at the we right We should time. probably make it modern reformers. I mean, it's not just singular. It's true. We're, we're two people. It's too we're late for ourselves. that. It's way too late for that, but... I mean, we have to do some reprinting. We have to do some reprinting? <laughs> do some rebrand? There's an email that nobody sent anything to? It's true. We'd have to add S to that. <laughs> <laughs> just not good situation. Change the whole label. It'd just be rough. It'd just be rough. Yeah, nobody would notice. Yeah, just stick with it. Modern okay. reformer. Right. Thank you. I mean, it's like it's like that's what I was. Sounds like a, cor- a newspaper title. It's actually, a corporate like. reformer. Agreed. We'll say it that way. Mm. It's using the corporate sense. Yeah, we could add a chronicle. You know, it's the royal we. <laughs> it's the royal. Yeah, there you go. Do the monthly publications. <laughs> Elohim. Mm. Plural. <laughs> plural. That's it. Kind of like deer. Deer can be used singular and plural. Right. Sheep. 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 It's even biblical. Yeah. Moose. Moose. Yeah. Moose. We're a bunch of Mises. <laughs> modern Mises. The modern Mises. <laughs> the English language is weird, man. I agree. They're uh, just making stuff up in there. I think so. No. All right. So we're we're back again on chapter twenty two. Of religious worship in the Sabbath day. We made a division last episode basically between those two subjects. The first one being religious worship, first six points. And we decided to break up the Sabbath day into its own episode. Yeah. I don't know why. It's, yeah. Everyone agrees. Yeah. So the first six points are going to get you, was, well, we talked about that, but it's going to get you the regulative principle. It's saying that God defines his own worship and this is how he does it. Mm. So it's going to get you. Um, and this is just a further elaboration of that. So it's going to go on to say that his worship is regulated and is regulated to a day, and that day is point seven and 8. So we, we saw the elements and, and the ways in which that is to be done, not tied to a location, uh, done in spirit and truth with the elements prescribed right there in those uh, other points. And then, like I said, just, just a further elaboration the last two on the day of the week to do it on. Mm. Yep. The not Sabbath. controversial at all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is so. That's a great point. So this is a reform distinctive. This is not something that's really, it, it's lost its uh, fervor in modern evangelicalism. So a lot of people have divested itself from from those things. It's just kind of, like, I don't know. It, 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 I don't think it's well thought through. Let me just say it that way. As far as mainstream evangelicalism, well, they all still worship on Sunday, though. Well, right. So they've gathered out on Sundays out of tradition, right? Correct. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't see that as. Um, I don't even know if they would articulate the Lord's Day, most of them. I don't think they would even be that far. But, mm. And that's the, I, that's the best of the situation. So I'm talking the best of the best of those things is usually this is just like an unexamined area. I know it was in my life for a long time as far as my own theology. Yeah, I was an anti sabbatarian myself. Right, right. Yeah, for the majority of right, my, yeah, yeah. say, life. Right. <laughs> well, that that's yeah. just kind of the ethos you're in. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, agreed. For sure. So the the Sabbath principle, and and again it's in here as far as this point seven and eight. I guess a broad overview of what we're going to be getting into is um, the controversial part of it is uh, that we still use the Sabbath language that we would call it that we'd actually call it a Christian Sabbath. So initially, I think for myself, 
the the biggest you know reason I think I had to to not use that nomenclature and to actually be against that nomenclature is because of the mosaic you know context the the fact that uh, even the that was my understanding for quite some time that it's it's the Sabbath has passed away along with other ceremonial parts of the Mosaic Law. Yeah, right. so, uh, so the Sabbath is usually linked to some kind of legalism. So when you say right. Sabbath to just <coughs> the modern the modern man out there, he's just like, oh, that's just immediate legalism. So yeah, that's at least that's where the mind goes anyway. But, Your mind, but, well, and mine. It's me speaking <laughs> for other people. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to speak for everybody else. Yeah. For sure. I think very basically, you know, the, if we're talking about the old covenant being done away, mosaic economy, then most people just relate that to the Sabbath as well. Mm-hmm. Very basically, yeah. I think that's most of your people today. You know, especially from a dispensational background, mm. Um, mm. they're going to equate that if you know, if the nation of Israel is and the whole economy has been done away with, then the Sabbath would go with it. So, mm. Yeah, um, and I think that's the most common view today mm-hmm. um, without a doubt i made a post on facebook last night about the sabbath <laughs> oh i was reading in preparation i was reading through uh, i don't know if you've ever read uh, uh joseph piper's book the lord's day i have not uh, it's good it's I was like reading, something i want to re- oh it's good it's good you mm-hmm. know uh, westminster guy but um oh, yeah. put a quote up there and <laughs> talking about the lord's day and how you know that should be a refreshing time for mm-hmm. us it's a gift from god it should be better than your birthday it should be you know it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of the quote <clears throat> and immediately somebody pipes up and says, you know, Lord's Day is not the Sabbath. That that is the most common view. Mm-hmm. Even among Reformed Baptists, uh, they call themselves Reformed Baptists, the, the, the number one exception to, or the, at least the top two number, mm-hmm. top two exceptions to the 1689 that most Reformed Baptists will have, um, one of them is on the paragraph of the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So it is uh, a lot of controversy even within the camp as far as uh, exceptions to this. You think that's okay? I don't I think it's right. I think it's okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's, I mean, yeah, as far as, as I, I can't bind your conscience, you know what I mean? But I think it's on the part with maybe like uh, infant baptism with Westminster. Yeah, right. With, uh, with, the, uh, with the Presbyterians. Mm. I mean, it's, it's obviously yeah. we think they're an error on that, but we're not going to say, oh, right, man. Yeah. you know, you're, you're not a Christian. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're Baptists. You know, we believe in autonomy of the local church and right. liberty of conscience. Liberty so of conscience. Yeah. Do what you want, but we're going to preach about it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. We're going to tell you how wrong exactly. you are. <laughs> and that's that. Yeah, I, I do think that's a good. That's my take too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably because I took it from someone else. But so, so the, <laughs> yeah. this chapter, it, yet again, I can't remember. We can't. We can't say this enough. Is you got to read the confession sideways, right? you got to read it in between chapters because this is going to come out of the chapter of law, uh, which is going to use the same positive moral distinctions there in this point. So if you don't, if you haven't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to listen to the, of the law of God first because that's going to give you pretty much the foundation, the groundwork for these last two points here anyway. <clears throat> and you see how much it touches in those ways. So I would agree with the, the modern person i guess the modern evangelical that say that the mosaic economy has been done away with and in that fact if that's true if the sabbath is a holy ceremonial to the mosaic covenant then it's passed away the problem is it's not right and right so well you also have to recognize i think that uh, you know the sabbath is not a mosaic ordinance it's mm-hmm. a creation ordinance and that's what yeah. really changes the uh, the economy right it's, yeah a, mo- a mosaic um you know 
the Mosaic economy is done away with. But that being said, anything in the creation ordinance is not right. Is not done away with. Yeah, they're going to call it moral perpetual and. Uh, it's moral, positive, and perpetual. Well, they're going to use that in point seven. We'll get into that, but that, that's absolutely correct. So uh, that's their point there. Um, I think dispensationalism. I think you hit it right on the head. Dispensationalism is really what has brought this about, at least in Baptist circles. <clears throat> which mm. I, I feel like, I guess, feel like Athanasius. Like you just woke up and the world was dispensational at one point. So I feel like it's on the decline now. Like I don't, I don't meet a lot of new people's like yay dispensationalism and Darby and all that stuff, but. Well, uh, no, they're still hanging around, but I feel like they're just—I mean—they're kind of slated out there. Like they're not—they're not gaining a lot of new converts. I don't think. Yeah, evangelicalism's going worse. So yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> the—I—I I wish it was dispensational. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah, the only, yeah. As far as mainstream stuff, I'm just—I'm in my own personal experience. Most people that are that are actually studying the scriptures are, are moving away from that by and large. There's a book. Uh, gosh. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was I think it's the death of dispensationalism. <laughs> the rise and fall it was the rise and fall of dispensationalism. Mm. Mm. And I I was listening to some of that guy's stuff. He made a lot of good points in that. But is he predicting is he predicting the fall? Yeah. Yeah, he's saying it's pretty much been dethroned. And in, in, in a lot of ways it has been. So Yeah. Well, I think there's some practical along with obviously the theological errors of it, which are yeah. numerous, but I think practically like Jesus hasn't come back. So <laughs> I mean Similar to all these other predictions, you know. He's yeah. going to, though, right? Yeah. He is. Yeah. So the last days but of madness seems to be. I can remember being a young man, like seven, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there, and like everyone was sure, like you're, before you're 30, he'll be back. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. that direct statement. Mm-hmm. And that can only last for so long because people keep turning 40. I mean, I remember being like uh, about 11, 12 years old and going to church, and we were we were watching a presentation on the temple mm. about uh, – you know the red heifer and all that good oh, stuff, yeah. and how it was going to be. You know, it was practically any day. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot about the red heifer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. me too. I'm Blemish red heifer. The temple yeah. being rebuilt, <laughs> and not, not, not. I know it may seem a little bit mockery there, but um, yeah, I mean, it is. You become jaded. You can, yeah, because yeah, you know, the cliche bad theology hurts people. That's why uh, I agree, man. Uh, and it's really important <clears throat> that we understand those things. Yeah. And that, that's not to say that dispensationalism is untrue because of some practical thing. Right. It's not my uh, ultimate thing, but yeah, it is. A, I think it's a part, of, especially for people that are a little bit less into the theological side, the depth mm-hmm. side, where they're right. just like, I thought he would be back by now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, <laughs> like it, yeah. Everybody said he would be. So, or at least the rapture would have taken place. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how many false dates you can set and then still have credibility. Right. You know and, I mean? and to the credit of mainstream dispensational people yeah, like I mean, they, they they're not date that. setters yeah. but You're right. it's more so the ethos right right i mean that's that's just we're that's the worst of tradition i'll say it that way yeah um, but yeah so the, the point seven and eight are, are, are inherently covenantal in their in their structure hmm. so with even from a dispensational framework i I don't think logically i don't know how you don't become antinomian and then divest yourself from this as well just a lot. There are some that do it. I'm not saying they're all antinomian, but they're skirting around the edges anyway because they have no, they have no foundation for the inviting validity of the moral law. They just don't in that system. So, anyway, they don't. It's simply a reinstitution. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to you have to take the principle that uh, we believe whatever is reinstated in the New Testament is reinstated mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. the believer's life, and that's generally yeah. the. the 
the principle of interpretation that they'll have. You know, nine out of ten of the uh, Ten Commandments were repeated in the New Testament. The only one that's not the Sabbath, therefore, the Sabbath has been nullified in the Mosaic economy. That's yeah. generally how the argument goes. Mm. Yeah, right. That was my position because oh, yeah. that was MacArthur's position. Oh, yeah. Well, tell, tell us about a, your position, man. <laughs> <laughs> I said that it was, was some personal anecdotes. Yeah. I yeah. said that was. I said that was. <laughs> but no, no, and primarily because of his teaching. I mean, and and not to knock him, uh, that's not right. his his, his well, own. Uh, he's not the only one that. Well, holds that's because it. he's a dispensational, right? Yeah, at least in some capacity, a leaky yeah. dispensational. Right, he says. I don't know how how leaky, but right. So yeah, I still think he's the greatest American theologian. Uh, he's but, good, uh, but he's good. Yeah, so that, you, know, you know who was the Sabbatarian? Edwards. I'm sure he was. He was. Go ahead. I'm sure he was. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. All the Puritans. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Anyone before 1850. You know what? <laughs> you yeah. know what's crazy? So, so I used to hate that argument. Yeah. That's true, though. But it's true. It is a true argument. So if you articulated uh, all that stuff to them, they have no categories. Like, this just was not a thing at this point in time. Dispensationalism. I actually made that argument uh, yeah. six days ago. Yeah, it's just not a thing at this point. Yeah. Which is, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually understand yeah. that, like, this is a novel idea. Right. You know, you can say it all day, but when you don't understand how novel it really is, mm-hmm. you know. But, which again, I think, to be fair, does not make it untrue as far as, <clears throat> but right. novelty is not usually true. Right. So it's very rare that that works yeah. out. But, <laughs> Pretty, yeah. but, you know. So my old position, all right, was the straight up dispensational position, and I do think you can hold this without being a dispensational. I think you can, you know, ideologically maybe, but yeah, it it was that that the Sabbath isn't directly repeated. All other nine commandments are, and again, that that presupposes kind of a discontinuity Mm -hmm. between the old. You have to see them restated. Correct. Yeah. Not. Yeah. So. (laughs) With that, I don't. And and I I would have added, and still would to some extent. I would have added that the Sabbath, the Mosaic Sabbath, was actually directly nullified. Places like Colossians two, you know. I mean, yeah, we can have different interpretations there, whether that's festival or weekly Mosaic. Either way, I agree. So yeah, yeah. so I would have said there's a positive case for it being abolished in mm-hmm. in the New Testament, and then it's not um, carried over like the other nine commandments. Right. That would have been my initial. Argument. Yeah, so I don't know how you say the other nine are repeated. I, I, it's more so they're assumed, and then you see them in practice. So he doesn't come and say, "Here's the abiding nine. He says, "You're just you're just seeing the witness in the New Testament." So to say that it's restated is not exactly honest. Agreed. Per se. Yeah, uh, but they are referenced. They're, yeah, they're referenced yeah. because they're just assumed that this is an operation. They don't go back and say, "Let me teach you how incest is wrong." In First Corinthians, it's just assumed that that's an operation that you shouldn't do it. Agreed. No, agreed. Yeah. yeah. Good. You want to get into point seven? Yeah, go ahead. Just whatever you're ready. <laughs> All right. Brace yourselves. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, went through the first six points the last episode. Regular principle of worship, which is broad. Right, right. Um, it's principles. Yeah, it's not practice. It's yeah, the principle is regulating. Not saying pop organ only stuff like that. Right, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, anybody that says the regulative principle is exclusive sovereignty and no instrumental music, it just doesn't interact with the position. So that now some people would say that, and they would claim to be regulative principle guys. More power to them. I'm just saying that's not the only issues in which come into play here. Agreed. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. For sure. Yeah. So we got these last two points, chapter twenty-two. On the Sabbath. So, uh, point seven, paragraph seven. As it is, the law of nature, that in general, 
a proportion of time by God's appointment be set apart for the worship of God. So, by his word, in a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment, binding all men in all ages, he has particularly appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy unto him, which from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week, and from the resurrection of Christ was changed into the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day, and is to be continued to the end of the world as the Christian Sabbath, the observation of the last day of the week being abolished. So they use, uh, as you can imagine, Exodus 20, verse 8, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the only part that they reference, by the way. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. First Corinthians 16, 1-2, I think this is a big one. Um, easily missed why it's a big one. Uh, we'll get into interpretation of it, but I'll just read it. Um, 1 Corinthians 16, 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of every week. Each of you is to put something aside, store it up as he may prosper. Um, Acts 20, verse 7. Mm -hmm. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. He prolonged his speech until midnight. And then the last one. Maybe, I could be wrong, but maybe the only direct reference to the Lord's Day is that right? Yeah, it's Revelation. Yeah. Revelation one ten, mm -hmm. John, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And, That's the only one that explicitly calls it the Lord's Day, I think. Right. Yeah. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So, not a lot of text that they use. You could use a lot of text. I think the ones they use are... Right, they get to the heart of the matter. Th they do. Yeah. They do. So, I'll, I'll start and then feel free to jump in. I'm going to try to take this kindly in, in order. But it says, as in the law of nature, and so we'll just let's just say that that's common sense. So let's just say that's what they mean by that. <laughs> yeah. so, so common sense is going to tell you that God needs to be worshipped. So that's Romans one right there, that they know that there is a God and He needs to be worshipped. So by natural law, you get the appointment of, the, of God's worship, and by His, uh, that's what it means by natural. <clears throat> and so His word is uh, positive. So it's positive to creation to say that God has described a day for you to do that. So that's what they mean by positive. And when it becomes positive, it becomes moral, right? And so this is the same categories that are, are given in the law of God there. So because it is moral and perpetual, it makes it perpetual. Yeah, because it is it is it's added to the law of nature. So we're not saying that you can be out in wherever and then come to the knowledge that the Sabbath is on Sunday and that you should keep that holy. You're going to come to the knowledge of, yeah, God needs to be worshipped. And then the regulative principle kicks in, and you go to special revelation. You say, yes, he's prescribed for you today to do that. That's what they're going on for there. So what you're saying is is that you think that, uh, and I, I'm in agreement. But, <laughs> yeah, like, let's clarify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, let's clarify. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not standing in opposition, but right. that uh, the pagans, mm -hmm. you know, the unbelievers who are apart from God out there, um, have some sense of revelation within themselves morally that they owe God a day. Mm, oh, for sure. Or that God has designed a day to be worshipped for himself, mm -hmm. and they'll give an account to God one day for that. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, so Spurgeon, Spurgeon, uh, I, I'm starting to dabble in the book, Spurgeon's Law of Sabbatarianism, but, and he's, he, he calls pagans rebuke for breaking the Sabbath. So that that's his his it's his framework anyway to say that yes this is known and that you will be held account for you not taking that. So what's established in 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 moral here is the principle of one day in seven. I don't think so. The day is positive, right? So it moves. So that's what they mean by positive and moral. It's moral in the sense that God demands a day, and because He institutes it Himself, He can change that day at freedom. He's freedom. He has freedom to do that. 
I guess is what they're going on for. But the perpetual commandment is the one in seven. That's the framework's given, and that's given in nature. I think the fact, this may be a little oversimplified, but I do think it's a true point. The fact that um, everyone keeps a seven-day week is telling, number one. Even if if paganism doesn't produce what we might call a Sabbath principle, which I think it kind of does, but even if it doesn't verbatim, you know, Mm-hmm. you know, uh, pr- produce that. The seven-day week makes no logical sense apart from special revelation. Like, why? Um, yeah. In fact, the only time that's ever tried to be changed was in the French Revolution. A 10-day week, yeah. Changed into a 10-day, what you might call yeah. a metric week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the entire world rebelled against that. <laughs> so that's a great point that you bring that up. So yeah. if you want to go into, like, times and seasons, so you want to think of a month as, like, a lunar cycle, a year's a rotation, a day is a rotation on its axis, a year's rotation around the sun. Right. The week is truly special revelation. I, I agree. So it's yeah. the seven-day week is not built into saying, well, look at this, this is a rotation. It's saying this is God's institution. Yeah, yeah. so that's what I mean. Logically... Mm-hmm. And it, it backs in reality. So go back to the 10-day week. They did that, and people got sick. Like, it did not work. It was not yeah, they, based in reality. So, yeah. so again, I, I have looked into it pretty in-depth at one point. So uh, this is not um, to be taken as literally the exact thing that happened. But paraphrase, yeah, not only do people get sick, like, people— It was terrible, yeah. It ruined the lives of many people. And mm-hmm. you, you ask why. It's like, because— in their na- and again, this is a theological point, but in their nature, mm-hmm. they're not created to do that. Yeah, it, it's similar to um, I think it was either the last episode or maybe a couple episodes back when we talked about um, question one of the Heidelberg, yeah, and similarly the Westminster about man being made to worship, mm-hmm. and the fact that that could be construed kind of like a overbearing dictatorship, but in mm-hmm. reality, it's actually just what what you're actually made for. Yeah. Not like, oh, here's an authority over you that makes you do this. It's more so like, no, this is your purpose. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, you know, when you use a flathead for a flathead screw, it's like, oh, yeah, that's what that's for. Kind of like, uh, <laughs> like you whipping the dog team and telling them the rest. Rest, rest, rest. That's what's going on here. Did you get that from The Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, I think so. It was on The Simpsons or something like that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good a one, great, That's a great example. That's a good one, though. Yeah. But, but no, go ahead, Nathan. I was going to say, you know, that goes right along with, um, you know, that example really illustrates, you know, the fact that, you know, what Jesus says, that the Sabbath was made for man, not mm, man made for the Sabbath. Sabbath. Mm. Um, because, I mean... God has instituted this because in his wisdom, he knows that's what we need. You know, mm-hmm. that that's what we require. I think it might be good to just add this on to that because I know they don't actually specifically quote this in, in the confession. But Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Hmm. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all work which God had created and made. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really the institution in the beginning of a Sabbath. Yes. You know, I mean, there, there was there was an institution. Obviously, it's not it's not the Lord's Day, mm-hmm. but it is the institution of a Sabbath so day. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, it goes. That's why, again, I emphasize that it's a creation ordinance. It's mm-hmm. something that uh, began from beginning. Uh, from the beginning, and as as such, it is, in that sense, absolutely natural. It, that's why the seven seven day week is natural mm-hmm. for man because this is how it was instituted. Yeah, mm. that's our assertion, right? Yeah, yeah. Theologically, 
systematically. Theologically, it's built into creation. So, yeah. so we. So I would have took big issue with that. Yeah. So yeah. what we see is is I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but what issue would you have taken with? So that? the yeah. issue what I would have had with it here was my articulation of it, and uh, which I do disagree with. Okay, I, I, I have a, repented from my error. That's okay, fine. but I still remember it. Very much what my era was. <laughs> so, and I think to be fair, I think a lot of people would agree with this. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say um, yes. The Sabbath um, idea is presented in Genesis two clearly, but and, and I do think this is a flawed way to argue. But this is the way I would have argued. But it's not said, you know, immediately following that the Lord rested that now you have to, right? Yeah. I, would, I would have actually argued at one time that the Sabbath idea of one and seven is not actually practiced until Exodus in the Mosaic custom. Mm -hmm. So, which I, again, uh, you take that idea and then you run it to the New Testament that's where it abolishes the ceremonial aspects. And that's how I would get around and and really not in in any way subscribe to a Christian Sabbath. That was Mm -hmm. my reasoning. But if I could uh, interact with that (coughs) line of reasoning there a little bit, I mean... What would you have done with the word sanctified there? God, It says that God sanctified that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he just sanctifying it for himself, or is he sanctifying it for another purpose? Right. I mean, you know. It's a good point. You know, you have to ask yourself in that situation, when he says right. he has sanctified this day, mm. I mean, you know, surely that doesn't just mean, oh, I'm sanctifying this for myself. I'm going to observe this day, but everybody else can do whatever. <laughs> do it's a good thing. point. All, all uh, creation can do yeah. whatever it wants. That was actually a big, the the answer to that question, yeah, is, is what really swayed me over. Mm-hmm. Not the only thing, but so I think the inference we're making here is the way he sanctified it is he instituted his creation to observe it. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of it, right? Yeah. 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 So I, d- yeah. I do think that's one of the necessarily contained things in the <laughs> I do right. now. And we're going to use that um, at least once an episode. Ah, uh, yes, for necessarily sure. contained. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite parts <laughs> of the profession. But no, before I would have just, yeah. honestly, I wouldn't have, I would have just said he didn't, similar to other arguments that are really not well thought out, I would have yeah. said, you know, it doesn't say that, and, and, but... Yeah, but that's that's almost that's you, at that <laughs> yeah. point you're on the yeah. level of like the Muslim who is saying you know that you know where does Jesus say I am God worship me and you can point to like you know well well Thomas said no 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 I know what Thomas said yeah. but did he say I am God worship me yeah, I agree you with know, you I mean that's where that's where monogamy is born too is in Genesis but it doesn't yeah. actually say one wife for life right true you know Great but then Jesus's extrapolation of that later mm-hmm. and the implications are. That because it was like this in creation, yeah. like that's the way it's been ordained. That's the way it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great point. You know, that, there's an example that's laid out there, and the activity of God often is authoritative. Yeah. You know, as, in insofar as His example, there's a reason He does it. There's a reason that He displays that action to creation, to all of mankind. Even records it in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, not for Himself, mm-hmm. but for mankind. Yeah. So I think that's uh, i think it was an immature position i had yeah. and immature in the sense of like uh you haven't thought all the way through that <laughs> but even even uh, as a guy who even at that time i held that position i would have said i really understand and try to be faithful to biblical hermeneutics right interpretation um you know but i think i think it is um kind of a an allergy to systematic theology like i've said before like not everything has to be, um, I am God, worship me. He receives worship. He clearly says, I am 
Yeah. Uh, he, he claims that... says that, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, you use the context and you determine, it you is. Know, you determine uh, I mean, what it says. It's the same thing with the Sabbath. We I don't need I it, it, it. I mean, that's one of the things we've been dealing with because we've had this discussion, particularly in the past week or so, with someone who doesn't agree with this position. <laughs> yeah, and um, that, that's kind of his position too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it, it's, it is basically the same position. I think I made that point was that you know it doesn't have to say explicitly the Sabbath day is now Sunday. Right. You know, it doesn't have to. It, the it doesn't have to say that the Sabbath mm-hmm. day and the Lord's day are, are are the same. Yeah. We use hermeneutical principles, and we make a consistent interpretation across the biblical canon. Yeah. And that's where we reach that determination. That's so that's what dispensationals won't do most of the time. Yeah. So <laughs> right. that's the reason I wasn't a Sabbatarian. But anyway, so what you see, I want to bring two things out. So that's that's all great stuff. So we see it tied to creation. We see it right there in Genesis two. We see it practiced before the giving of the Ten Commandments in Exodus sixteen. I'm thinking if that's the right chapter. They're saying, gather a double portion of manna for the Sabbath is coming. This is before the giving of the Ten Commandments. Are so, you sure about that? I'm 100%. It's true. It's, okay. it's true. Yeah. I'll See, take your word. Damon will back me up. That, that gives me legitimacy there. So, that, that, <laughs> so, that, that is a big one. That's a big you one. You know, I've I never, um, in all my... Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. I, and let me just be clear. Like, I'm a Sabbatarian now. <laughs> I, I just think, you know... You never came across that. I never came across that argument. You know? So what, what you see is the reason the Sabbath is unique. So we say it's a creation ordinance, and it is. And we talked about that in the Law of God. What's unique about it is that it is both creation and positive. So that's what they mean by perpetual. So positive is just given. Positive is added to the covenant. So G- Given explicitly. Yeah. Given explicitly in the sense that it's a tied to... Uh, understandings of covenant so it changes throughout redemptive history the sabbath is not the same today as it used to be mm-hmm. so what you see you see it even change in the economy of the old testament you see it first given for commemoration of creation and then you see the positive aspects it's given com- for commemoration of the exodus as well so he goes on after the exodus going to add to it keep this day of rest when god created and also when god led you out of egypt so you see this shifting nature of it as in as you get into progressive revelation is or, or, or deeper into redemption. Yeah. So that's the reason it's got a foot in both. So it's got the 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 foot that's in creation is the one in seven. The the foot that's in the positive is where you're at in redemptive history. You know, and that's not uncommon with moral law. Right. Like, what you'll see is you'll see like depending upon covenant and throughout the throughout the Old Testament, New Testament scriptures, sometimes again you'll see that those somebody evolve um, as as God is adding that positive law to moral law, you even see it with marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the old covenant mosaic economy with marriage, like you don't see in the beginning, like no incest. Right, right. Actually, there 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 is mm-hmm. right because Cain and oh, Abel, like sure. where their wives come from. Yeah. But as the mosaic Sisters, economy, yeah. yeah, I mean, as the mosaic economy is being framed, mm-hmm. um, you actually see the law applied um, to marriage in a way that it's saying, like, no more, yeah. no more. Something's happened within the economy of of, of history and mm-hmm. redemption, such that now he's going to regulate marriage. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that way in the beginning. But the moral law is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the creation ordinance still stands, but you're going to see that somewhat change over time, depending yeah. upon God's purposes and mankind. That's mm-hmm. a great point. That is a great point. Yeah. So, and it doesn't directly say, up until Exodus, anything about the closeness union. And it, it, like you said, it's fair to say that it's always been wrong. Sexual ethics have always been unilaterally right and wrong. Right. Right. But you know, yeah, the evolution of context and purpose and all of that—it's a lot to. So that makes it moral that, and positive and perpetual. Right. That, that's correct. a great example. <coughs> correct. 
So what they don't they only quote verse eight there, like I said in Exodus uh, twenty, which is the you might say given of the Sabbath in mm-hmm. a code, right. the fourth command. But Exodus eight uh, eleven. For in six days the Lord God made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. A direct quotation of what you read, uh, Genesis mm-hmm. 2. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to be we're expanding it in Mosaic code, but we're not creating it, right? Right. Because he did this initially. Mm-hmm. We do it now. Yeah. And, yeah. I you, think. you see it somewhere in Exodus as well as the, the addition to the remembrance of the Exodus. I can't remember the chapter, but it's yeah. in there. It's Exodus 16. Okay. I mean, that's specifically where it says in Exodus 16:29, See, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread for two, abide ye every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. That's a pretty good argument. Yeah, so I gotta say Genesis I'm, 20 is, Genesis, <laughs> I mean, not Genesis, but Exodus 20 is Mount Sinai, so. Yeah, right. that's ex- yeah. You're, you're exactly right. right. Ten commandments. The yeah. Ten commandments, yeah. So the commandment, yeah. the commandment does come later than mm. the actual... Practice. Uh, practice practice of the Sabbath, yeah. Yeah, yeah I so, never put that together. So the, 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 the argument that won me, okay, this is a very complex and deep argument. It'll take me a long time to articulate it. There's Ten Commandments. Okay. Yeah, that's well, a good one. Yeah. The fourth one is keep the Sabbath. So I don't think you have a Decalogue with a limp, okay? I don't think you have nine. You have you have a full <laughs> ten commandments. Yeah. So we're going to say that the, the other nine are obviously creation ordinances and, and moral natural law. And then the fourth one just like, ah, can I just add, <laughs> can I just add on this as well? I mean, I think uh, sixteen twenty three is also very important here to keep in mind. It says uh, so. This is Moses speaking, and he said unto them, "This is that which the Lord hath said: Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you bake today, and seeth that ye will eat, that you will seeth, and that which remaineth overlay up." For you to be kept until the morning. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm reading for the King James. That, that, that has a particular. That uh, gave it a little more flavor, panache. <laughs> but I, like I mean, it. yeah, you've got that, uh, got the these and thous going on there, so it makes it it, it gives it more of a, a force to say yeah, this. Is, right. This is the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think it says there specifically that you know this is this is the Sabbath. This is the holy Sabbath, and and yes, he's basically talking about this four chapters in Genesis before or in Exodus before. Um, the institution of the Sabbath officially on Mount Sinai. Yeah, Amen. That's a great point. And that particular part of Exodus is chronological, yeah. like it is. It's oh yeah, for truly sure. Before. Yeah. So it's truly before. Yeah. Um, Agreed. Wow, it's a great argument. Yeah. Well. Yeah. The <sighs> Ten Commandments one got me. So, no. Yeah. You know, even whether it was five and five or or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. So well, that's for our uh, uh, continued listeners. Well, yeah, I mean yeah. The, the the Ten Commandments. I think are I think they're eternal. I mean, oh I yeah, don't, for I, sure. I don't. I think the Ten Commandments are yeah. eternal truths that do not cease. Yeah, if God never created the Ten Commandments, still stand. Yeah, I mean they're 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 predicated upon His own existence and nature. Yeah, and and upon that, He positively institutes a day of His worship. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, binding all men in all ages. Binding all men in all ages, just like the rest of the ten. Okay. Mm. Like I said, it's kind of complex argument there, I know. Okay. But like the rest <laughs> of the ten, the fourth is still binding. Mm. So the controversial part. He has appointed one day and seven for a Sabbath kept holy unto him. That's required in his creation from all of his image bearers. Right. Let's say. Yeah. Um that's the controversial part. And that's really the foundation of our 
understanding that yes. that the Christian Sabbath is rooted in creation and and uh, yeah. I, I think myself, um, I'm good with the mosaic abolishment. I think that's actually sh- critical, right? Um, not the full abolishment. The of, regulations given, yeah, not yeah. the full so abolishment. You can't leave your home and you can't pick up sticks, stuff like that. Correct. Yeah. Um, principles, maybe. And the mosaic economy, in a lot of ways, its Sabbath is typological for the rest in Christ. You think Hebrews 4, but there remains a rest. So MacArthur, and again, I hate to be this guy, but MacArthur would argue, and it, it really swayed me at that time to take his position. MacArthur would argue that the Sabbath in the mosaic economy, which I think he's wrong on this, <laughs> but basically was actually an oppressive Sabbath. And it, it, it consistently... What? Yeah, that it consistently held sin before the people, and that was his main purpose. Is that um, it, it? Pretty I mean, much that's one use of the law. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I don't think he's wrong in there principle. There's another two. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> There's two more. <laughs> yeah. So he he would basically say that the Sabbath actually was a perpetual reminder of your inability to have this rest. In some sense, I, I don't want to butcher what he would have said, but. That was kind of his thing, and I thought, well, that makes sense because it is, I mean, part of the law. Clearly, right, part of the I mean, law. So, so a mosaic economy and mosaic Sabbath. This is obviously prefiguring Christ in that in that way. Yeah. So that's the reason I think the day changes. Yeah, I mean, there could yeah. be some of that too, but I, I do think that even in the in the Old Testament economy, that was a day of rest. It was oh, for sure, I think so too. Rest I, for the people. When I say I disagree with him, I think there was a lot of positive. Uh, not not just a purely. Yeah. I negative, think there there yeah. is a negative use, but there is a positive use. I think yeah. that's one of the things that I think uh, generally Reformed theology uh, does very well in yeah. general. In in the main is is recognizing that there is positive and yeah. negative uses of the law. So yeah, right. Not yeah. just uh, not just it's not just like a a rod that you beat over your head. <laughs> and, you <laughs> know that, that that's that's not yeah. its only purpose. So so you don't see a corporate gathering in the Old Testament. You just don't see it. Uh, it's not instituted uh, as far as to say you take this day and then co- gather together it's saying more so spend it at home pretty much now the reason you see that is because Old Testament worship is very familiar na- familial in nature did the did the temple run on the Sabbath yes yeah for sure the, the priests are always working on the Sabbath yeah <clears throat> and that's another thing so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get into that as well but but you see the institution of corporate gathering on, on the Lord's Day. And that's that's the argument. You, that's a great articulation of guys that would say you're bound to Lord's Day service and they divest it from the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's usually, as far as if there's a reform, if there's our reform guys and their objection is usually that. Yeah. So uh, you can take MacArthur, for example. He's going he's gonna to react against the Sabbath, but he's going to hold out a Lord's Day gathering. Yeah, um, he did so on CNN. Right, so he's going to hold that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give it to him. Well, he's going to say you should yeah. do that on Sunday. But mm-hmm. at, at that point in time, my greatest problem with that is like we see all of these connections, the one and seven, the continuation of that. We see it in we see it in the moral law, the first, the fourth commandment of the ten, and then you divest it. I just like I can't, I don't understand how you get there in that way to say that the lord's day and the sabbath can't be connected to say the sabbath is holy typological and mosaic and the lord's day just comes out of thin air in the new testament like it's just i I can't get there yeah it wouldn't seem to follow the pattern yeah the the argument i've heard is like well you wouldn't say we keep a passover when we do the lord's supper and i would say i would say no you don't but but obviously they're connected there is a connection (laughs) between those two i would say you keep the new testament passover and the substance right no i think i think that's a good parallel almost um I mean, there is there is something to be said about the fact that you know Christ is our Sabbath, 
right. uh, in a sense, and and there also that Christ yeah. is our Passover mm-hmm. in a sense. You know, those types and shadows yeah. pointed to the fulfillment that isn't Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's to say that there isn't um, there isn't still an observance um, of sure. those things even in the New Testament economy. Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. well, so if somebody comes to me and he says, "Hey, Abe, there's no there's no commandment to keep the fourth or to to, to keep the Sabbath in the New Testament." I'm going to say, yeah, there doesn't need to be. I'm going to have to say that it's built in, it's taught, and then it's just assumed and practiced in the new. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. instituted from creation. I mean, right. it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's just the natural yeah. reality of, the, of, of mm-hmm. life and of yeah. creation that man was made to labor six days to rest on, on, a, on a seventh on a seventh, day. Yeah, right. you, know, you know, whether that be the first day of the week or whether that be the last day of the week, um, at the end of the day, at the yeah. end of the day, uh, mm-hmm. he must rest. Yeah, mm. amen. There. So uh, I've heard a critique. This is a critique from our Pado Baptist brothers. Okay. They would say that Baptists don't believe in impl- implicit truth. That's one of them. Implicit, implicit, like implicit as in like it's not it's expressly stated as in right as in this is so basically the entire thing we've done thus far they say we shouldn't be able we to shouldn't do. be able yeah. to do yeah. 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 they're yeah. saying you're very inconsistent <laughs> because they're saying if you believe in that then you should be a pedo Baptist right like, it's not so yeah no. so my, so <laughs> I mean I'm with, yeah. I'm with they were, yeah. I, I'm all about I'm all about I'm all about implicit truth I'm I'm not about taking a doctrine that is nowhere in the scriptures and, and trying to shoehorn hey, it hey hard amen there so what my response to that is yes i believe in implicit truth just not that one <laughs> you know what i mean right. <laughs> yeah. it's so, not implicit it's not I implicit mean, you, oh i agreed i mean yeah. you know, you know there might have been babies in the house it's not an implicit argument right. i'm sorry it's not it's not on the same yeah. level as i didn't mean as, to get you riled up yeah <laughs> sorry yeah I'm, I'm gonna you want to get us going there you go yeah i think it's a good it's it is a great in my opinion as a baptist a great identifier of you can do this too much you can oh for sure read too far between the lines and then make up a line. Not yeah. good a necessary right. consequence, and Mitch. Necessarily contained. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not. Nece- it, we're no longer the necessarily contained. Like I mean, I can I can yeah. point to the 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 passages in the old and in the new. Mm-hmm. I can point to the reality of a Sabbath. I can point to its necessity. I can point yeah. to the fact that it predates. Um, mm-hmm. You know that it goes oh, all the sure. way back to creation. Yeah. I can also point to the fact that. There is a Lord's Day. There's a Lord's Day gathering that yep. seems to be instituted in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were gathering for worship. I can see those connections between the covenants in that regard. No, so I yeah. can see that. Oh, but sure. you know, the idea of, of signs and circumcision and, and, and that that now is baptism and therefore thus <laughs> ipso facto we can now <laughs> baptize babies. That's yeah. that's a whole other. Now, now listen, if there was eleven commandments and one of them was baptize children, I would definitely do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> But, uh, simple argument there. But anyway, so the reason I say that is because uh, the Reformed Baptists here don't have an allergy against implicit truth. So they're not saying, well, just because it's not explicitly stated in the New Testament and it's exhaustively detailed there that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. They, they believe in the body validity of, of those things and then the, the assumed practice that you see witnessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So the typological thing is we say that it's picture of Christ's rest. That's the reason we have the fulfillment in the eighth day gathering now. So in the same way that the seventh day was meant to commemorate creation, mm-hmm. now the predicated upon the resurrection of Christ, because he raises, now he uh, assumes to himself a new day, a day of completion and a, and a day of recreation on the resurrection the completion of that day. There's a lot of, uh, the Didache especially, has a lot of teaching that would say the eighth day, the day of fulfillment. 
not the first day of the week, but the eighth day, the eighth day of fulfillment in those days. Hmm. And I think they're making good connection there. Hmm. So that's the change of the day, I would say. Yeah. So the they don't use this nomenclature either, but we're, we're really talking about Saturday. What we would call Saturday, right? The, the, <laughs> right so, what we would so, call, yeah. Yeah. So from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, it was the last day or what, you know, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, the resurrection of Christ, it was changed into the first day of the week. Now, there's the next con- point of controversy, right? Yeah. That it, it's no longer, um, even in some sense, it's no longer the creation ordinance. It's actually changed. That's into, the positive aspect, yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. changed into something to reflect something greater. Yeah. So, and I do, yeah. I, I, myself, this is just kind of, I think it's it's right to say that it still contains the reflection on creation clearly, but more so the That's completion. Not a, yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not problem. gone. It's the, the, that that aspect's not gone. But um, so Spurgeon is going to say, if we should remember creation on a day, how much more should we remember a dem- redemption accomplished on a day? Mm. And that's a great point. So, if because of of creation and, and the Exodus, there we keep it on us on a, on the seventh day. How much more should we, because of our Lord's resurrection, keep it on the first? Which those things <clears throat> before were but types and shadows, right? Of that full substance. Mm-hmm. So that's the typological element, and that's the fulfillment in Christ element. Not not the moral of the one and seven, but the positive as the day. I would say. I don't want to get super uh, <clears throat> mystical, but. You know, I'm not a mystical guy, but the it's I want to say it's either First or Second Corinthians, and I hate that I can't remember the exact reference. But Paul ties together the regenerative act of the Spirit with creation. Mm-hmm. That the, the new he, creation, yeah. Mm-hmm. That he 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 who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," has shown in our hearts to give us the full knowledge of God. Something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do think that again is not about the Sabbath directly for sure, but that idea mm-hmm. of like the connected, cohesive decree of God. Yeah. And uh, displaying his power across all that he has done, right? Mm-hmm. And he actually equates, I think, there, and I don't think it's too far to say that he equates regeneration, the the enlightening of the eyes and giving of life, with re- t- yeah. to creation initially. Like yeah. it's it's not the same work, clearly, but it's yeah. it's almost a greater work. So um, yeah. he who did this oh, thing, greater work, yeah. I think so. Oh he, yeah, for sure. He who did this initial creative act, God Himself, now does this regenerative act. Right, yeah. and it's kind of seen as similar. It's just, uh, would you say similar? So, I would say similar. <laughs> I, I would say, yeah. but it's an amazing connection. And I, I'll say it like this: So you say there is obviously still remembrance of creation. Yeah, yeah. So in, in the <clears throat> Lord's state. So this is going to be about postmillennialism showing. So if you don't agree with me, turn away from the mic right now. So what you're going <laughs> to see is actually the institution of the resurrection is the recreation. It's a recreation in that sense. Not yet fully consummated, but yet recreated. So in the way in which that we remember original creation, we remember now the recreation in Christ and the, the accomplishment of that on the first day of worship, on the first day of the Lord's Day. Hmm. I didn't hear you. I turned away. I didn't, you turned away. There you go. <laughs> Nobody was listening. <laughs> but that ties in well with my eschatology. But anyway, so... <laughs> That's what I would say. So that's the reason, yet again, that you see the change in day. It is a recreation. It is accomplishment of redemption accomplished in the resurrection. And I think that was recognized very early in the church. Oh, for sure. If we yeah. talk about this. let's. I mean, one thing we could look at there is is going back to Acts 27, right? Mm. You know, that's Paul going to Troas. Uh, Acts 20 says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, 
Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Hmm. So, I mean, it seems pretty clear here. I mean, they're breaking bread. We know, at least from Jude, from many other of the other apostles' writings, including Paul, that one of the specific functions of worship among the Christians was the breaking of bread together with yeah. one another. So it seems pretty clear this is this is worship. I mean, this is a specific worship that they are performing. Yep. Uh, it's also mm-hmm. worth noting here, I think this is important, that this is you know Paul's third missionary journey here. Or sorry, yeah, his third. It is his third missionary journey. Um, and specifically, he has not been to Troas before. Mm-hmm. So this is not something that like Paul is making them do. They are already, as Christians, gathering on the first day of the week. Yeah. And they are breaking bread together and doing this. So it's it seems pretty clear yeah. very early on. I mean, it's hard to say exactly when. I mean, I can't point an exact figure and say this is when this began. Mm-hmm. But we know in the apostolic period this was going on. And yeah. Paul not only participates in it, he, 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 he seems to be totally approbative of the fact that they're doing this. So. Mm. I oh, yeah. A, I think that's worth noting. So just like Mitchell read in Corinthians, on the first day of the week, take up a gathering, take yeah. up an offering. The reason you do that is because you're gathering on that day. Yeah. Right. Uh, so uh, let me add this, because on that same vein, I thought early in the book of Acts, Acts 2, mm-hmm. um, initially after the— Pentecost. You know, after Pentecost and the first sermon, well, you might say, of the church. Pentecost is uh, on the Lord's Day. It's on a Sunday. Right. Yeah. Um, Acts 2.42. Which I find significant. But. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but at Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And I, I think that might be the first use in Acts, of it is, of the breaking of bread. And you I know that's the supper, yeah. I do. I, I do. think so. It could, yeah. could be a general fellowship, but I do think it's the supper. Well, it would be odd to say they committed themselves to fellowship and also a different form of fellowship. I, I agree together. with that. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. I do. So, And we know, of course, obviously, that... that the Lord had expressly told them that they were to continue this ordinance. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. this was to be done in remembrance of me. Yep. Until um, he comes. Yeah, until he comes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it seems like that may be very, well, this may be the very first time that they did that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's in that transit, you might say, a transitionary period from Jesus' uh, actual presence on earth and then his 40 days, he goes, yeah. he ascends. And at this, at this point, not dispensationally, but at this point we do have um, the, kind of the beginnings of the church. Right to some extent, and seems to be, and I, I, I don't I don't think you can make too much of this. It seems to the be New Testament church. that the first church service is on the first day of the week, and here's what it contained, and here's what they did. Oh, yeah, Pentecost is yeah. on the Lord's day. He right. has, eight days later, he re, he returns on the Lord's day. So that's a continued pattern throughout Acts, as far into his ascension. Right, and and uh, in Acts two forty two necessarily contained in my opinion is the sabbath principle and the, the, everything we wish yeah. to convey i mean it, it really is there yeah. um so the argument and again this is a bit of a rabbit hole i'll take not much time with it but the argument we recently had a a good conversation with someone who is a saturday sabbath person and i think the, the key of his argument and why he rejected um, our position is because he equates our understanding of apostolic authority to catholic authority to some extent i think that's his number one even though he wouldn't articulate it like that i think that's his real uh, sticking point and um the difference and it's hard to get this across i think to someone of that persuasion the difference between what's contained in acts 2 and then what's contained in the second ladder and fourth ladder in council is very very different like it (laughs) i know that seems crazy that we would even struggle with that but some people do how the apostles do have authority 
They have absolute authority. Right. I agree. And because of their... Because they do, they give us their word, and it's still... So the apostles yeah, still well, have the Lord, the word. It's because the Lord delves it, gives it to them. Right. You know, we don't um, have a faith without the apostles. Agreed. I mean, at all. That, yeah. At yeah. All. We don't have a faith, don't have a scripture, don't have... That's terrible argumentation. Well, it's, I mean... It's, I'm not saying it's good. <laughs> I'm just saying it's great. I'm it, really it, not. It's common in restorationist right. movements. Yes. Right. Which we've, we've kind yeah. of delved into a little bit, Mitchell and I, of late, talking about <laughs> yeah. the restorationist cults. I mean... Mm. You know, and that that could be you know the second great awakening in this country. You know, one of the biggest yeah. hallmarks yeah. of that oh. was this idea that you know the church had lost its way, and we got to get back to, you know, we've got to restore the church to what it was really meant to be, and and a lot of that goes into this <coughs> idea of we got to go back to seventh day sabbatarianism to be truly. Um, in line with what the church did. So, and one of the big arguments there is that, well, this is a Roman invention. Yeah. I mean, that that's one of their big they're, argumentations. They're trying to do an ad fontes move yeah. without any, you know, training or ability to do so. I mean, I, you know, just showing my hand, like to go back to the sources, you have to be able to go back to the sources. Like they just make blanket theological statements, mainly based on direct revelation to someone with zero theological yeah. training right no knowledge of the original languages no concept of of what was going on in the in the first century at all and direct revelation at you the know, end of the day it um we, we've looked at guys like william miller who were these guys that would pretend to be really uh edu- that's the founder of miller the somewhat founder yeah. of the seventh day adventist by <laughs> extension but <laughs> yeah, by extension. you know uh <laughs> yeah. but basically he he was he he decided that he was going to go off you me and my bible under a tree and he came up with this this idea of numbering which i don't think he invented but right. you know the whole oh careful it's empty it's a good set but the whole idea is you know he, he had no training and so he comes up with this whole idea and, and that's really all the restorationist movement really it's just, uh, it's just this this yeah. invention of stuff without any kind of knowledge uh, and so <clears throat> unfortunately what that leads into is that once you start down that rabbit hole then you end up it's kind of hard to stop the train at that point right mm-hmm. you know once you start mm-hmm. with saying well we're no longer on the Lord's Day Sabbath we're now on mm-hmm. The seventh day Sabbath, you know, before too long, you're instituting food laws again. Before too long, you're yeah. you're you're delving back into those ordinances, which were the types and the shadows. You know, the very things that Paul warned about in Galatians. You know, <laughs> yeah. saying Agreed. that you should uh, not you should not trade the shadows, trade the substance for the shadows. Yeah, you know. Then that, that's verbatim in Colossians, where he says this is a shadow of Christ. You have the substance, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a great point. So yeah, it's, it's almost like Paul says, if you're going to keep one commandment, you have to keep them all. It's all or nothing. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yep. They're all connected. You know? it, yeah. it has to be all or nothing. I yeah. mean, it has to be. I think that the uh, fellow you're referring to, or I think most people, I think most people look at this and they're like, what, what they really want is a command. Yeah. They mm-hmm. want a command that says, you know, that, or, or they want some concise statement from the apostles that says uh, the the sabbath principle now dictates a change from seventh day of the week to the first day of the week mm-hmm. i think that's what this young fellow wants i think that's what most people want what we're saying is what i hear you guys saying is, is that doesn't necessarily have to happen that way no. and implicitly um, we look at the apostolic authority or, or yeah. the, the apostolic example carries with it an authority mm-hmm. that just as much as they would say, um, so just as much as a, a authority that a command would say, 
or a command would bring with it, you know, change the day to this or that. We look at the example of the mm-hmm. apostles and say that example actually carries weight and authority, yeah. gravity with it, such that we're we're willing to follow that as much as a command. Right. Amen. And yeah. it, it is equivalent. So the, it's equivalent. So the same reason I'm a Baptist, the same reason I'm a Sabbatarian, it's apostolic witness. Right. Real quick, since I delved down the rabbit hole, you know the part, is it 1 Corinthians 7, between 7 and 9, where Paul says, um, I say not the Lord, that section about marriage. and Yeah, 1 yeah, Corinthians, Corinthians 7. So not to just read that whole chapter and get into the weeds on it, but he's not saying I don't have any authority. And he's not saying, oh, no. you know, who knows? What he's saying is the Lord, Jesus, didn't didn't speak explicitly yeah. to this in uh-huh. his earthly ministry, but I will do so as his messenger that carries authority. Right. Like, yeah. that. that's a big thing. So, um, yeah. That, yeah, when I stand in the pulpit and I say, like, <laughs> Jesus didn't say this is my opinion, that's different Agreed. than Paul saying, Agreed. like, Jesus didn't say that, this is my opinion. Yeah. So, uh-huh. cu- coupled yeah. with, and, and I, oh, yeah. coupled with this restoration. Is that somebody's interpretation? Yeah. Like, like he, oh yeah, like Paul was giving yeah. his no, opinion. That, like that is not a so, the, Just since it's on my mind, the Seventh Day Adventist understanding of inspiration, for example, is um, basically that they spoke in words to them, and they did things in the way that they understood them to the best of their abilities. Um, so it can be. They say it's infallible, so it's not God breathed. But at the same time, right? It's it, it, in practice, it's not, and they do so because they have a founder that has 2,000-plus visions, and most of them have not come true in any sense of that. Oh. So they, they say Ellen oh, okay. White is inspired in the same way that Jonah is when Jonah says um, Nineveh's going to perish, but then it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> so they lit- I've heard numerous different sources from Seventh-day Adventism say that it used that exact parallel. And in their language, um, in their modern, even their modern language, yeah. they, they basically equate that understanding of inspiration, which is basically Paul can have an opinion, Ellen can have an opinion, and I can have an opinion. So they so they went from so they went from say so what they instead of doing what they That's should have terrible. done, would say, well, our prophet was wrong, so <laughs> yes, they probably yes. are not a prophet. It should be stoned. And they should uh, be stoned. Yeah. Going all the way back to well, actually, what we're saying is because our prophet is wrong sometimes. All the prophets and apostles <laughs> throughout the ages were wrong. wrong sometimes. 100%. Yeah. And that's, oh, again, that's a little disingenuous, but I think accurate. That's, that's, a, that's exactly what's happened is a reinterpretation of doctrine, yeah. which is the inspiration and authority of Scripture. They've reinterpreted that to match you know, their modern prophet. And, again, that's not exclusive to them. I mean, Well, yeah. Mormons do the same thing. Oh, I mean, yeah. All the unfortunately, I think the common thread there is the restorationists. I mean, and I hate the we, it's super common thread. Yeah. I hate that we keep bringing this stuff up. Mitchell and I are are, are like we're into it, bro. Are neck deep in cults, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and at this point, and, I'm I'm like too thinking about starting one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I, I really hope not. If I do, somebody call me out. Learn maybe look, Nathan. We're, we're learning. We're learning how we'll, we'll start. We, <laughs> there you go. Technically, technically, some people would say we're in a cult. So I mean, you know, some people I, would say that. I mean, yeah. Sabotage. Sabbatarian cult. Calvinist cult. Yeah. So, so going back to the... Go ahead. Uh, the last thing in the rabbit hole is the <laughs> okay. last... I prom- th- Hey, we've only been in this hole just a little bit, but the um, there is a Protestant difference. And let me just say this before I get into this. There is liberal Protestants that do the same thing with the Scriptures, right, that, that don't have a restorationist tie, that are just liberal in their theology, and they just mm-hmm. want to believe what they want to believe, you know. So it's not, it's not a, uh, exclusive to that, but... It's a similar vein. Um, the The difference between um, creeds, councils, and apostolic authority has to be central in your understanding of, of biblical doctrine. 
like the difference between the um, the close of the canon and then Council of Nicaea. As much as I love Council's Creeds, even the Apostles' Creed, even the early hymns that you could trace back that aren't contained directly in Scripture, like there's a division between what God has given us through the Apostles and then tradition that follows. Well, Constantine changes the day of the week. On the Sabbath. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. That <laughs> I have heard that, and that's what I mean. Is is <laughs> that's not true? That's that was also you know, that was also at Nicaea when they officially uh, you know set forth what were the sixty six books of the oh, Bible. Oh yeah, nobody had any. But idea. Everybody lifted one up, and there was yays. No Bible before them. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no Bible. Well, the, them. so I have this, a similar argument. That's called ah historical. That means yeah. not historical. <laughs> I have a similar debate going with a oneness Pentecostal preacher, and his argument is the Trinity is a Catholic invention. And that's what yeah. I try to get across is that when you start down this trail, what's not a Catholic convention? Like when you don't understand history, you don't wish to actually read the creeds, you don't wish to actually study, and then you basically just take whole hog what somebody feeds you. Mm-mm. When are you going to stop that? And well, by what standard are you mm-hmm. going to stop I would say it's basically tossing the baby out with the bathwater. 100%. I mean, you're, you're, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Rome had its issues, um, but yeah. the reality was there was a church prior to 1517 (laughs) agreed there was a church that went from the time of the apostles to now yeah and while there were issues and there were things that were lost but you know you could really even through that you could see the threads that were still in place even in the midst of that yeah so so post tenebrous lux is after darkness light. so what were what the reformers are saying so if you ever read institutes if you ever read calvin's institutes he quotes the church father every 15 seconds Every 15 seconds, the man is quoting somebody. So we've said this a million times on this podcast, but the continuity between the church fathers and us is way more than us in Rome. Okay, That's the assertion of the Reformation is that we are recovering the true church, not that it's ever been lost, but that it was captive, right? and we are setting that free with continuity with the church fathers. Yep. We believe that uh, we we hold apostolic doctrine. You know, we're, we're teaching what the apostles taught. We believe we ha- we have a more apostolic church than Rome because we actually teach what the apostles taught. Yep. Mm. Oh yeah. So the church never dies out and is refounded. So and there are early church fathers that referred to the Lord's Day. Oh yeah. As a Sabbath. Oh for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Pre-Constantine. Pre-Constantine. Yeah. Super pre-Constantine actually. You know, I heard that the whole debate of whether Die Hard was a Christmas movie or not. I heard that Constantine said it was, so it's okay. <laughs> somebody, somebody sent me a meme with that, and I thought that was hilarious. You know, I do agree with Constantine on that one. <laughs> he said, the, what the joke was is, like, Die Hard was not a Christmas movie before Constantine said it was in the Council of Nazi. <laughs> Amen. But, but anyway, back to... Sorry about the rabbit hole. No, that's okay. So One more statement about restorationism. Pentecost- <laughs> Pentecostalism is one, too. The entire Pentecostal movement is 100% restorationist. So I'll say that with clear conscience at this point. Okay. But all right, good. So uh, the apostolic witness. Yeah. That that's what authoritative is here. So we see the the Sabbath laid down. We've established that it is a creation ordinance. We've established that it is both positive and moral and perpetual. Okay. Yeah. So it changed in the first day of the week. It changed in the first day of the week. So then we see the witness of that by the apostles in gathering on the first day of the week. John himself calls it a Lord's Day in Revelation. And then we see the assumed practice upon all the churches. So just like Nathan said, he's not going here. And saying, do this. It's already in function. Uh, 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 uh. So it's just, it's assumed and saw practice, and that's authoritative mm-hmm. in that sense. The, um, the use of 1 Corinthians 16 and Acts 20, I think, are sufficient for me. Mm-hmm. So I understand that 
similar to the Muslim problem, like Nathan said, does does it say that I am God worship me? Not verbatim, but yes, it does. Well, it hundred percent does. does. And there's there's that there's no question. You're just not being and intellectually honest with Scripture at that point. Agreed. That that that's just not honesty of anything that can teach anything. So yeah, it's just like the Constitution doesn't say that you can't drive an Abrams tank in the White House. I think I used that last time. So that doesn't mean you can, right? Yeah. It doesn't say that verbatim, so then I can't do it. It says, no, that's not how we treat any documents. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the same aspect there. So the, the key assertion in the text that they use, First Corinthians 16 and Acts 20, is that the church was already observing a Lord's Day Sabbath. Yes. Period. John actually mentions it by name. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good distinction is what came up before, not when is it, but what is it? That's, that, that's a good one. Yeah. Like what actually is that? Um, and we're asserting that it's... The Lord's Day? Is that what you're saying? Lord's yes, Day. Yeah. the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Well, not when does it take place, but what is it? What's it yeah. mean? Uh, so another great example is I, I had a guy tell me one time that every, all of his parishioners uh, worked on Sunday. <coughs> they were, I don't know, doctors. I don't remember. But he said, so we meet on a Tuesday. And I said, yeah, you should absolutely not do that. <laughs> yeah. He said, well, nobody's, nobody's, everybody's working. And I said, well, if you look at Acts, there's a reason why they preached at night and why the people are gathered at home at night because people worked and then they come on on the Sabbath the Christian Sabbath, and had Lord Day services. So it's inconvenient for them. Right? The only reason that we have that day observed here is because you have Christian heritage. Well, we won't get into that, but anyway. And, I mean, that's a challenge in this yeah. day and age. It's a challenge for a lot of people. I mean, people have to work uh, on Sunday. Right. You know, I know you know, I particularly am blessed that I found a job that's never open on Sunday, so right, I'm not there you go with that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, but well, yeah. I, I've in the past I've worked jobs where, I, you know, I had to be, you know, I had to work on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that's right. just part, part part of it. Yeah, and that's not you wrong. Know? I mean, you know what I mean? So, it's, it, But it, it, does, make, it, it does make it challenging. <laughs> or is it? That's the next point. If you're Sabbatarian. <laughs> we'll get there. How we will distinguish. <laughs> But I think the point that Mitch is making is, is like so. So when John, uh, when John references the Lord's Day, like, yeah. like what day is that, mm-hmm. and what is it? Like, is it something distinctly different? Because you talk to some people and they're like, "Yeah, the Lord's Day," but it's really no different than any other day. Then why call it the Lord's Day? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's the same construction there as the Lord's Table. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like in the original. Um, so it's speaking about a time we gather together in which, yeah, yeah, God owns all the bread in all the world. Like, <laughs> he, he has all the wine, all mm-hmm. the. All the grape juice, <laughs> all the pasteurized, you know, unfermented uh, fruit of the vine. Like he owns it all, yeah. right? For sure. We don't dispute that. For sure. Yeah. But on the Lord's Day, we gather together and we set this aside for a particular use. Hmm. Like it is different. It is distinct. Almost like it's sanctified and made holy, <laughs> right. right? Set apart for a particular use. You know, so so people are like so. If you say, yeah, we can just get together on Tuesday, then like the, then you just like the Lord's Day doesn't it's it not doesn't mean the Lord's anything. Day yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so like you can do it if you want, but if you're not, then I mean, the, then you've just you've just totally removed any definition to the meaning uh, or uh, of the word mm-hmm. um, that it is a it is a day. Yes, like every other day, like all six, but just like the Lord's table, He has set this day apart for a particular use for yeah. the worship of God, mm-hmm. and I think that's what John's referring to there. Yeah. Oh, I agree. And, I mean, that's just heralding all the way back in the Genesis 2. This all mm-hmm. comes full circle, you know. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, and, you know. He he sets aside he sets aside this for a purpose. Yeah. Um he sets and you know, we would say there's a Sabbath principle there. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. we we do believe there is good evidence to say that, you know, that uh, that has shifted to another day. Mm-hmm. You know, we see 
you know, and it, it almost a lot of that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, we were talking about we see it observed in the New Testament. It's almost like you go back to in the Old Testament, you can see and observe them observing this day as separate before the commandment. Yeah. And the same thing can be said of the uh, of the New Testament. We see it observed that they are doing it on this day. Yep. Now, we don't really have an express commandment in the New Testament in, in the sense of like, you know, um, again, we, 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 I think we've really taught this point <laughs> yeah. enough at this point that, you know, there's not like a, you know, worship God on the, on the first day of the week, but, mm-hmm. you know, th- as a commandment. But yeah. I think the principles are there. Oh, for sure. Implicitly initially contained. So the, the argument that when I was first, uh, converted out of the position, it was a teaching series I was listening to. And he said, if you want to know if you're a Sabbatarian or not, he said, if you go into like a non-Christianized place. It doesn't have the first day of the week off because of because of the the the, the history of the place. He said, would, "So would you say that everybody's working then, but they're off on Wednesday? Could you just gather then?" And then I was sitting in my mind, I'm like, "I don't, I don't know. I have never thought about that." And he said, "If you say yes, you're not a Sabbatarian." I'm like, "I don't think you should." Then I was like, "Oh." Then I see the connection. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm a Sabbatarian now." <laughs> That's what it was. He's like, "Yeah, I wouldn't say you could do that." And he's like, "Why would I not say you could do that?" Oh, because. It's the fourth command. I'm like, oh, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Like, why have I not put that together? Mm. You know, I think I, early on I probably would have said that you were, you could do that if you didn't do it. I mean, Romans 14. Yeah. yeah. We need to address those. Yeah. 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 That's a great point. Agreed. <laughs> um, so there's two primarily. Mm-hmm. Romans 14, Colossians 2. Colossians 2, yeah. So Romans 14 is going to say. Do you that, want to address those now? I'm Ooh, good. I'm either good. way, okay. We can we can do that and move on. Whatever you want to do. All right, well, let's start with Colossians two. Okay, and let me just initially give the right interpretation of this. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> just just kidding. I always so, long. I always long for you to do that, Mitch. <laughs> I know. Apostolic. This is this is uh, this is ex cathedra. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the papal bull of Mitch here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> signed by someone else, a ghostwriter. So uh, yeah, Colossians two. It's a big context, but we'll jump in at 16. And again, this is a sidebar thing, but I do think um, this is central. Maybe this is the central one, I think. Um, Therefore, Colossians 2.16, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. There's the one verse, but these are a shadow of the things to come. The substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So, uh, well, I think 20 is notable. If, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulation? Um, so, I said I'd give the right interpretation. Yeah. <clears throat> Here it is. This is contextually um, the specific thing in Colossians is Jewish, maybe better, Judaizing Mm -hmm. uh, Christianity. So this would look exactly verbatim the same as Galatians. Now, this is... This is more of a full scope of Judaism as opposed mm-hmm. to just circumcision. The original Hebrew roots. The original Hebrew yes. roots, 100%. Or seven-day Adventism. Yeah. 100%. I mean, to some extent, they are the exact same. So this is um, not even not even reading between the lines. This is what Paul is facing in this particular body. And I think Colossians as a whole is 
a coupling together of early Gnosticism with Jewish legalism. And you see both things clearly attacked by the apostle. Uh, Get away from this. And I do think even in this very um, statement here, um, you see kind of elements of both. Um, Worship of angels was a Jewish thing. To some extent, they would have never said it like that, but the Gnostics would have. They would have the 100%. And this is pre-Gnostic Gnosticism, if you would say that. More like mystical things. So both Gnosticism. Yeah. So both things in Colossians are there, and it's, sometimes it's hard to parse between. There's no question here, though, that Paul is equating the Mosaic Sabbath with um, every other ceremonial aspect of the Mosaic um, law. So the same idea about food laws, festivals, which are numerous, including Passover, but also the rest, yeah. and new moons. New moons are a big thing in the Jewish calendar, to mm-hmm. say the least. So... This understanding of Sabbath being you have to be you have to put your right foot in Judaism to be a Christian. That right. that's what Paul's teaching against here. Yeah. Now, so that understanding of Sabbath, I think, my interpretation, hopefully yeah. the correct one is, all that's done away with. So there's so there's two interpretations and I can hold to either one of what's actually being said here. So the new moons, festival and Sabbath, that's a whole complete Jewish calendar. That includes year of Jubilee. All that stuff. Seventh, seventh year Sabbath is you let the land rest. All those things are contained yeah. there. No, 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 no. So it's either the monthly festivals and all those things, and, and excluding the weekly Sabbath is what I've heard, is that's doing away with that uh, overarching Jewish calendar. So we don't keep the Passover or the Feast of Booze or all those things. But it's not necessarily contained in the weekly Sabbath. Or that's contained in the weekly Sabbath in its mosaic form. So either either of those forms is, is correct. So if anybody comes to you and says you must... You must worship on Saturday, or you must keep the year of Jubilee, or you must not farm your field on the seventh year. That's Judaism. As you can see, as we've already established, is that church there in Colossae is meeting on the first day of the week and doing the things regulated to it. Uh, That's just implicit truth in which that you can make good and necessary consequence to make. So he's not saying don't do this on, on the Lord's day. He's saying this is the Jewish calendar, and don't be taken captive to it. Yeah, so... I think the language in point seven, the reason that this doesn't make us wrong about our Sabbatarian and Christian Sabbath assertions. We have read that is, before. That's, that's why I just want everybody to know. I'm aware that that's in the Bible. So. Yeah, me too. Everybody's like, well, what about this? I'm like, yeah, I actually have read it before. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, the reason they word it this way, I think, is clearly demonstrated when you kind of see this is what Colossians 2 says. <laughs> they don't state it, right? They don't cite it. But what, the way they say it. From, from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ was the last day of the week. My assertion here is that Colossians 2 is talking about that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can slice it up a little. Either either interpretation, yeah. yeah. Either one you take. So, so I think in either one, Colossians 2 is talking about that. And in Isaiah, um, that, that exact verbiage is used as New Moon Sabbath Day as, as referring to the Jewish calendar. Like they're, he's, he's quoting that, then, then they know what he's talking about. It's almost a verbatim. Yes, verbatim. It's almost a quotation. In the Septuagint. Yes. Like yeah. That formulation, it would be like us referring to the law and the prophets, uh-huh. speaking yeah. of the whole Old Testament canon. Yeah. It seems that this phraseology here is referring to the whole Jewish calendar, right. according to some. Yes. Yeah. I would agree, too. I, I think so. So that's what Judaizers uh, are doing. So the, yeah. from the resurrection of Christ, changed it to the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day. Um, the last section, which I guess we haven't covered, but this is it. This is our covering of it. The observation of the last day of the week being abolished. Yeah. I, th- I think that actually is contained in Colossians 2. The idea of the mm-hmm. observation of the last day of the week being abolished, I think, yeah. is what they're saying. I would be 
way more inclined to say that that includes the Mosaic Sabbath. That's uh, like in Colossians two. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that that last day being abolished is actually an addition that the Savoy makes and you know, that the that the Baptists actually carry over. The reason that is, Renahan gives it his book, is uh, he's saying that there's a lot of Seventh Day Baptist coming up at this point in time, and that's really a, a distinguishing that they have to say. So Westminster is not going to say it's been abolished; it's going to say it's been moved. Yeah. This is stronger verbiage to say, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. This is stronger verbiage to say those Seventh-day Baptists, the one of which we are teaching against, are in error and wrong. Right? You can't mm-hmm. keep that as the Sabbath and say this is this is any way fulfilling of the Lord's Day worship. Why are there no Seventh-day Presbyterians? <laughs> Sometimes they got it better, man. You know, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> they got their own problems. Uh, they got the federal vision and all that stuff. But well, I, mean, I think uh, in some sense, <laughs> they all uh, don't have the oversight does help a little bit. You know, right. I mean, I think it does having a presbytery, you know, there are times where I'm like, you know, that does that does make sense in some sense. Yeah. But but I also seen the I also seen the counter argument. I mean, you've got solid churches like the PCA and stuff like that. But then you got the PCUSA and their presbytery. Right. So, I mean, so the church, the the Baptist church has problems at the independent level and the presbytery has problems at the Presbyterian level. I mean, (laughs) so there's a thousand presbyters. So that's how you end up with Seventh-day Baptists. Right. The same way. You just have, I mean, in the same sense that we have every kind of Baptist under the sun. Uh You got, they're all independent. And that's going to be a big thing for formal association and accountability. Yeah. So congregationalism does not say we don't, we don't hold each other accountable or share burdens or, or, or anything like that. That's going to be important. That's also why it's good to have so that's, like a group out there to where you can have, like, say, the 689, yeah, exactly. you know, the confession <laughs> yeah. that actually kind of reigns yeah. things in a little bit. It's almost like we it, came together to make this confession to it, identify. This is going to sound bad. <laughs> Let me just say this. Having this confession is equivalent to having the authority of the Word of God over you. Like, it's one thing to say we are... We believe in sola scriptura and the sole infallible authority of of the Bible, and then we don't have anything in writing. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. right? No, I'm how does that function? Every church has a statement of faith, right? I mean, yeah. there's there's mm-hmm. not even you know every church has a creed, every church has a confession of some sort. Even if yeah. even if your church is one of those no creed but Christ churches, well, that's your creed. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. that that is now your creed. So I mean, you know, it's 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 just a statement of what we believe about these things, and it's 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 there to be the guideposts that allow yep. us to mm-hmm. to deal with these sort of issues. So we don't, so we can answer, you know, a Seventh Day Baptist or right. a Seventh Day Adventist or something like that. Yeah. So the other one is that Romans fourteen that all days are alike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to say six. Let's see. Romans fourteen six. That okay, is. Okay. Yeah. Um, which I meant to get into the in, Gal- in, Col- in, in Galatians. There's always there's also mention of it there. That's the exact same context as we see in Colossians. There in Galatians, Colossians, both of those things are talking about the same thing, in my opinion. It, it starts in five, um, and it is. I think would you would you agree that this is a Christian liberty passage? Yeah, this comes at the end of the weaker brethren. Yeah, so that's the context in which it's speaking here. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start in fourteen one, and again. We want to do two things. I want to do two things with both of these passages. One, I want to say it's right for them to say that this uh, Saturday Sabbath has been abolished, and I think it's contained in both these passages. Yeah. And I also want to say that it doesn't um, abolish the Sabbath principle. Mm, right. Uh, both things. Right. So fourteen one, as for the one who is weak in the faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. We could do better at that. <laughs> By we, I mean you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So uh, one person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. 
Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Now, focus. This is our focus text. Um, one, so that's the context. That, yeah, that's Christianly, Christianly. Yep, Go ahead. Yeah. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. None of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I will tell you, a great example of what he's talking about there is to say, hey, I take Thursdays and observe it as a solemn day of prayer and my own devotion. You have to do that too. Like, no, you don't. All days are the same. We, we need to have a Wednesday midweek gathering prayer meeting. You don't have to. If you want to, do it under the Lord, and that's great. You're not, you're not bound to that. That's what's going on there. So whoever eats does so to the Lord. Whoever does not eat does so to the Lord. It's Christian liberty, like you said. And that's devotion days. That's in no way touching the weekly Sabbath principle or the Lord's Day gathering. Yeah, and I, I think it's not directly stated, but clearly the same context of Jewish Judaizing questions mm-hmm. and maybe just, you know, conscience questions. Um, plenty well, I, of other plenty yeah. of other reasons that people make decisions. Yeah. about food and observance mm-hmm. of days. Yeah, so. so it's in no way saying, when it says do not neglect the assembly of yourselves together in Hebrews, mm. that's on a day of the week. <laughs> right? By the light of nature, we must say, hey, we all need to do this together. We have to pick a day to do it. And the Lord institutes that day. That is in no way talking about that. So in that same way, when I say all days are alike, I would say you're, ga- you're bound to corporately gather still. That doesn't, that doesn't give you the liberty not to do that. That's not in no way nullifying that, or is it even talking about the Lord's Day? It's, it's harmonization. It, it's completely yeah, right. You're letting all of Scripture speak. Yeah, yeah. So on the same on the same thing that he says, Paul, the same author in Corinthians, says when you gather together on the first day of the week, all days are alike. So what he means there is in a Christian liberty context to say that your devotion is your devotion. You can't bind a weaker brother to it. So a weaker brother, if, if he can't study for 14 whatever whatever you want to put in there you can't say well you have to do this on a wednesday you have to do this on a monday yeah that's my interpretation anyway now i'm going to probably take the devil's advocate perspective that'd be great rock on man you know (laughs) given the passages that we're looking at here i mean wouldn't these i I get that in context these aren't about it but wouldn't any of these locations we just mentioned whether it be hebrews or colossians or even romans 14 be a good opportunity to state that the Lord's Day is is well, set aside, or that it's on Sunday. Yeah, so that's the classic argument from silence. I would have said that. Yeah, yeah, right, right, you're right. So you're saying, yeah, I would have said. So that. if his context is and he's dealing with people that don't want to be on the Lord's Day, he would have mentioned it, uh, or or in Colossians either way. So the argument from silence is never authoritative because it's from silence. So that's a non consequitur there. That that does not follow. So what does follow is that you have. All we've always said. So that that is the positive case. So you can't say there's no absolute negative case there. So for that disqualifies the positive case. Yeah. So we can go off of what it says. We can't right. go off of what, what it, it does not say. say. Yes. It also would have been a great spot to include playing devil's advocate from our position now, if he wanted to say, especially the Lord's Day. It doesn't matter when you meet. They could have said that too. So then, right. So it's like yeah. That that cuts both ways, and it always does. I mean, you would always. You know, 
there's always those moments I think we have those theological things where we're like, man, I wish we just had something <laughs> that said this, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, it yeah, it, it yeah. would make life so much easier. But yeah. you know, but I think it's important to remember that yeah, we, we go off of what it says. Not what it does not say. Not what it doesn't say. Yeah, so <clears throat> arguments from silence are begging the question, which are helpful in some aspects and not so much in others. It's a great argument in one way. And and it would have been a great spot. However, I think in the other spots where it speaks directly to the Lord's Day worship and the continuing Sabbath, that, it does it, so sufficiently. That's just like saying that, in, in no. our day how Paul, why doesn't Paul say there's no transgenderism? Because he It's not the exact same. It's not the exact same. It's it, not. But it, it's the same principle. It's yeah, like, well, he doesn't right. say that your biological sex is your sex. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, it, it's been a great place to say that they're made male and female, and that means this and this and this. I'm like, well, that's your own context. Well, you know, in your own, you're bringing that into the text already. That's what there, there is an argument like that, though, which is that. that the people who revert to just saying, well, Jesus never condemned homosexuality. Oh my right? gosh. And, and that's an argument yeah. from silence in some sense, which I don't think he's actually silent on, if we actually look No, I think he wrote the whole scripture. So, yeah, I think he's... Yeah. But then you revert all the way back. Well, even if even if you just take the words of Jesus, you know, Jesus affirms uh, the creation ordinance of man and woman as, as being... As yeah. being as being what marriage is, you know. So yeah. I mean, fundamentally, oh yeah, you know mm-hmm. it, that mm-hmm. condemns and and that restricts and condemns anything outside of that. Yeah. Um, oh, but, for sure. Yeah. But then you know you just take it. It it ultimately all always roll, it always reverts back to it never specifically said <laughs> this formulation the way I wanted it to be, which said, is right? not intellectually honest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the other argument I've heard, and then we can move on to point eight, just whatever you want to. Don't let me hold you up. But the other argument I've heard is that that Jesus was very against the Sabbath in his teachings. That's it's like, well, and that's not true. That's not true. He, he upheld a mosaic yeah. Sabbath, even himself. And, it, and he says, my father's working, therefore I'm working. That means he's nullifying. Like, no, no, no. He's keeping it. He's just using it correctly. And he opposed versus, he opposed the pharisaical misuse yes. of the Sabbath, yes, not he did. the right use of Correct. the Sabbath. Correct. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So um if I had to say, how does Romans fourteen six and Colossians two six ish mm-hmm. <laughs> how do those two passages not nullify what or sixteen rather yeah. than Colossians two, but how does that not nullify what we're saying? Um, because it's not speaking to Lord's Day, and it even speaking to a Sabbath principle that we're asserting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are places, and even Hebrews 7, uh, Jesus, I think it's 7, uh, Jesus is our Sabbath. That's Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, yeah. Uh, Jesus is our Sabbath. There remains um, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Correct. That's and what I'm saying. I don't even, <laughs> I, I think that is the what ultimate. What John Owen says. <laughs> yeah. I, right. <laughs> I think that's an ultimate expression of Jesus fulfilling all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like it's not... That, to me, is not even speaking to Lord's Day worship at all. It's more of a big theological conclusion about the the initial institution and what the purpose of the Sabbath really is. It's all to Christ. But as far as practically, Colossians 2, Romans 14, doesn't contradict what we're saying. And and I I know that's easy to say, but hopefully we can show that in context, uh, Colossians is talking about the, um, the misuse and the Jewish addition of Sabbath Mm-hmm. As far as you have to, you have to do this in order to have connection with God. Yeah. And then Romans fourteen, I think, is actually not talking about a Lord's Day gathering in any sense. It's more so like, um, like you said, additions, devotions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the question of when should we worship is not in Romans fourteen, nor Agreed. nor is it in Colossians two. These Agreed. are talking against errors, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So our positive case is that the uh, Sabbath principle laid down in creation continues um, the fourth commandment and the validity and the moral 
Mm -hmm. uh, abidingness of that also continues. And then witness, um, then the apostolic witness. Yeah. Witness and the, the yeah. transition into Lord's Day, yep. first day worship is it's clearly. A, it's observed early. It begins very clearly in, in the book yeah. of Acts. And it's apostolic. Uh, it's approved and, and instituted by the apostles, and it is apostles' doctrine. And this is affirmed even by both by intellectual context in the New Testament as well as by the testimonies of the early church fathers. Mm. Agreed. Even mm. before Nicaea. Even, even hmm. then. Hmm. <laughs> we have to say that because you know, for some people, they're, they're, they're like, Nicaea is the, is the bogeyman that, that, that just... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, it's, that, it's that moment where everything, where Rome messed everything up and instituted the you know, Sunday and everything else. <laughs> I'll say this. True. If, if you get your historical facts from a YouTube page that says, I hate God or something like that, like let's, let's, we probably need to find a non-biased source at that point. Or, or even like, you know, the Trinity is false. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you know, something you know. something along those lines. And it's some guy in his basement saying, oh, well, Nicaea, this is what happened. Yeah. And then and there's no there's never any sources cited. There's never any engagement with actually. You have the canons of Nicaea. You have them. <laughs> We we know exactly what they talked about. Not all of them, of course. Nicaea is a, Nicaea is probably one of the greatest historical myths in all of history. Oh, I agree. I, I, I think That's just because the internet about, exists, and then yeah. Well, it even goes before the internet. I mean, you go all the way back to the Enlightenment. There was just all these. I think Voltaire and some others sort of promulgated some some myths about yeah. about this uh, being you know this time when the Trinity and all these other doctrines were yeah. were put in place by Rome and all deity of Christ. Yeah. The whole thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Da Vinci Code. That's what I was trying to think of. Code. Yeah, yeah, Dan Brown. Right. That is... He doesn't... He doesn't even know anything. Anyway. The Priory of Sion exists, don't you know? Mm. Mm. That's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> anything else on point seven? <laughs> so what you're saying is... <laughs> no, I think we should probably, uh, probably move forward. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, damn it, go. So go. what you're saying is, is that the Book of Romans would have, you know, as far as we know, been read on the Lord's Day. I think so. Yeah. And what he's not saying is, is like, you guys really don't need to be here today. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Right? The yeah. book of Colossians, he's yeah. not arguing against the gathering of God's people on the Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. right. And that's not even the issue that's being brought forth. Correct. Right? Um, Same thing in Galatians. So, so, and uh, that's really key, I yeah. think. That's really, the, among other things, that was a big part of my switching over because I really did take issue to some extent with this this part of the confession for a long right. time I was like how could they be so right and so wrong you know for a long time like I, you Mitch you're it, wrong it was me <laughs> agreed and that's usually the case isn't it yeah. <laughs> so uh, alright so paragraph 8 uh, maybe the most controversial mm. this will be quick yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been dreading this one five minutes so uh, uh, the Sabbath is then Kept holy unto the Lord. When men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs aforehand, do not only observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts, and, oh, I'm sorry, about their worldly employment and rec recreations, but are also taken up the whole time in public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Yeah. So we believe in the Lord's Day being the Sabbath <coughs> from a New Testament perspective now. Yeah, this this paragraph saying, all right, what do we do with it? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, so point seven is going to get to the institution of the day, and point eight is going to get to the practice on the day. Right. Yeah. 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 Correct. Or the establishment of it. So, where you where, where you want to start? So when it says after a due preparing of their hearts, you you're you're this is often lost. It was lost on me for a while as well. It's usually lost. I I have the best of intentions. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you'll you'll hear throughout scriptures. Take care how you hear. 
take care of how you hear, prepare your hearts for those things. So as we go into corporate worship, that should be a solemn time of which that we have prepared our hearts and laid aside those things, uh, ordering of our affairs. So that means that we're not thinking whether, you know, we made enough coffee or whatever, right? That <laughs> we, should, we lay those worldly things apart. We lay those worldly things aside <laughs> so that... Uh, it's over here. Uh oh. It's over here. But anyway, Nothing so happened. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some technical difficulty here, folks. So that's what you do in order for the Sabbath. I can't remember what I was saying. Do preparing. Do preparing. So yes. So that's what you do. So you take care of how you hear and you and you and you make sure to lay aside those things. You got them? Good. Yeah. We can edit that out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not just drop the microphone. Yeah. That happens. Uh, should we uh, Should we maybe look at some of the texts? Yeah, that be, go 100%. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. We've got uh, the citation of Isaiah 58, 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. So I mean, I think you know that kind of shows one that they are drawing. I mean, these yep. words; these are not just uh, inventions. They are actually very carefully mm-hmm. utilizing the scripture uh, in the formulation of this uh, passage to allow for you know to be as faithful to the text as they possibly can. Right. It also has what Nehemiah. Nehemiah thirteen. Yeah, Nehemiah 13, 15-23. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. Minotaur dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods, and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do, by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers do thus, and did not God bring all this disaster on us and on this this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves, and they should go and guard the gates of sanctity, and to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. I'm not sure why 23 was in there, but anyway. I <laughs> <laughs> the citation. But, but. This is 22. It's the, was it 22? Yeah. Mine oh. says 23. Maybe oh. it's a misprint on my oh, end. Mine, right. says, mine says 22. Oh, yeah. Mine, what? Huh. Mine's online, though, so they could have dead. Uh, it says Nehemiah 15. Through 23. No, it's uh, 22. No, okay. It's 22, yeah. I was like, it's uh, a, I'm not crazy. Yeah. This is 23. Hold up. Check. 
We need yours, to the, yours certainly 13, 15, 23. Oh, yeah. That yeah. must be a misprint because yeah. yeah, mine says 22 as well. I don't know. I've never made a mistake. I just never. read that and I was like, <laughs> huh, interesting. No, no, That's, I'm mistaken about that. I'm, but I mean, I think all. No, yours, say, yours says it though. Yeah, sure. I know. Nehemiah's count does definitely indicate, one, the seriousness of the Sabbath, right? Yes. I mean, the importance. I mean, because he's basically saying, look, you've been kicked out once before and now you're back to, uh, to violating the Sabbath again. Yeah. You know, what are you thinking? Oh yeah, you know. So. We can talk about this some other time if you want, but it is interesting. <laughs> no time like the present. It is interesting <laughs> that Nehemiah will kind of enforce this reality even upon not only the Israelites but the foreigners in the land, mm-hmm. even when Israel is not its own sovereign at the time. Yeah, they're under the rule of actually another nation. Yeah, um, Artaxerxes, um, that he still sees. The necessity of the Sabbath, yeah, even to such that he's going to regulate it, um, order it, even when yeah, they're not sovereign as a nation. It's almost like Artaxerxes wouldn't have any authority in that aspect. That's what, yeah. I mean, so, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> that's what you're getting at. Which, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. You yeah. know, I mean, the similar principle to the New Testament. You know. Um, that we would, uh, you know, they say preach not the gospel. We say, <laughs> who do we obey, God yeah, or man? Yeah, yeah. do yeah. what you want to. This is what we're doing. Right. He sees it seemingly as this, you know, creation ordinance, or, yeah. you know, this this law that God's given them that they must obey, even if somebody was to come along and say, like, you can't do that. Right. You know, which is very, uh, which is very applicable in our present day situation. Oh, you know, for what sure. If, you know, the last few years, what if, uh, you know, a nation comes, a governor, um, <laughs> you know, a, a federal mandate comes down and says, like, no, you, no. Can't, you can't gather. Yeah. Like, you can't gather. And one of the reasons <laughs> I think that most did not gather is because they don't have a a, a position on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Or they take a different position on the Sabbath and the Lord's Day yeah. than what is here. I think I think that the, the confessors, the you know, the framers of the confession would have fought for the Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they saw it as a Sabbath principle, just oh, as yeah. Nehemiah did. Yeah. And yeah. I think we can also add on that some theonomic principle as well uh, that, uh, yeah. you know, in this situation, agreed. I mean, I agree. whether you actually whether you actually believed the commandment or not, oh it was still enforced. Yeah. Right, enforced right, is, right is right. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it's agreed. still it's still a binding principle. And I mean, yeah. it, it probably you know I would say we, it should be the law of the land here in America. And today. I think we and I think we should just kind of you know say at the forefront that what we're not saying is is like we want to make these people or people should do it even though they don't want to. Mm-hmm. But like it's a oh, gift, yeah. like it's a gift to them like yeah. you know to my children like if i let them do whatever they want you know i mean yeah. you know um, <laughs> yeah. i mean but we set aside the day why because it's a gift to them it's a rest um yeah like we we're talking earlier with uh, the french revolution mm. yeah, I, I would love to hear more about that you know i'm probably the uneducated one here in the group oh, you know but um Phew. but when they framed the 10 day week was it was it work nine and then rest one no no, no, it was it was, was it? it was so, full full. It was I mean, it was basically a full work work week. Yeah. Of work. So they just took the Sabbath away altogether, or they the actually, one day. What's amazing about it is it was a theological point, and they mm. were ardent atheists. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and they, and that, they, they the, basically were like, "We hate the God and His rule so much that we want it gone, gone." They yeah. wanted to uproot you know? every every vestige <clears throat> of Christianity from, yeah. from France. So, so they, they removed like a gone. day of rest altogether, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and, it, and it'll um, kill. The, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like so. So even for those who don't like hold to God's law. Like the Sabbath is, has been throughout the ages still a blessing to people yeah. who are not. For so, sure. like, so for Nehemiah, you can look at Nehemiah and be 
like, oh, they're like he's he's over he's, he's exerting rule over people. Now, he's not making them go to church. He's not saying you have to get together with a holy convocation mm-hmm. and assemble with the people of God and worship our God. Yeah. No, but but he is saying like this is this is a gift to you. It should be guarded. Yeah. And and to guard it is actually to give a gift to the people, even though they. So it's common grace in some sense. Yeah, I agree. He, he wasn't commanding them to worship. But he was telling them he, they can't sell stuff. No, that's what I'm saying. So, they, so right. we're not saying you have to worship our God. Yeah. But there is this gift in creation that is common grace to all men. Yeah. And when that's forsaken, actually, the nation like doesn't prosper Agreed. as a result of it. So, And what you see, and this is a bit, I hate to, we'll just go down this trail. <laughs> I think um, the reason primarily in our nation, we're, we're not a French revolutionary nation, right? We're not um, ardently theologically opposing. In our founding. Uh, even today, I would I would argue even today. So Definitely not that there's not that plenty of factions that would probably move that route in our nation, but overall. So what I'm what I'm going to argue is that the God of our nation is is capital. So the 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 real reason that the oh, Sabbath yeah. stopped being observed was for corporate gain, monetary, yeah. and by corporate I mean business and monetary value. Yeah. Like what we have sacrificed um, culturally to primarily is not any type of sob story from some kind of activist group. It's actually just money. Yeah. And in our nation, that's that's so, been our downfall. And we're all culpable in that, too. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. That's also important. I mean, the reason businesses are open is because we want them to be open, right? Agreed. You know the mm-hmm. reason the reason people are out working on on a Sunday is because we we want that, mm-hmm. and because businesses are going to be pressured to do that. I mean, because yeah. if you don't open on Sunday, you're you're going to be at a disadvantage, disadvantage to another company that is not so. Chick Fil A, not Chick Fil A, not Chick Fil A, the Lord's Chicken, the it's Lord's Chicken. They are prospering well. <laughs> That's right, they are. So what and, I would and I hate to be somewhat cynical against them, but they do it for gain too. Like the 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 theological rulers of Chick Fil A are not keeping a Lord's Day. They're they're saying we have this group that really respects us for our position, so we're going to make more money if we continue this. Um, yeah. So when we look <laughs> at the magistrate, but hey, they still are. I mean, yeah. So when you look at the magistrate, you can see the vestments in that, like old blue laws. That yeah. Are, which whichever one has not been repealed at this point, but yeah. So the idea, like for example, in Virginia, you couldn't hunt on Sunday till I was probably sixteen. Hmm. And that's that's a vestment of the old blue law. So what I would think that would be faithful, such in Nehemiah's case you see there, is actually protection of the day. It's not a forced observance, right? But it's a protection of it. So that's the we talked about that a little bit on the law of God. That's the that's that's the spheres honoring one another. So it's never the state's role to say, "Hey, this is holy unto the Lord," and now you know I whip you while you rest, like that type deal, as we talked about before. It's that's persuasion, and that's the church's authority and what it should do. What it should do is honor it to say, "Hey, in this common marketplace, we're not going to do this, and we're going to allow these things to occur." So we're going to take one in seven, and then that's going to be our our grid, and that should be protected. Didn't didn't they try to in the back to the French Revolution thing? Didn't they try to? I want to say have some form of like you do you, you may not get a day per week but you eventually might get a week or they did something very odd i don't know to be honest with you it, it was very odd and it but obviously it didn't work out they obviously <laughs> recognize that the seven day week is christian in nature like yeah that it comes is, from special yes revelation. that comes from the institution of god himself mm-hmm. and then they rebel against that and like damon said that's not based in reality so therefore it doesn't work <laughs> So turns out that there's actually a reason why a seven day, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> right. that goes beyond yeah. 
that goes beyond theology. Right. I mean, yeah. in, 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 in a sense. Well, it's like um, saying work seven days without sleep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just not going to work. It's not going to work yeah. out. Yeah. You know, you're actually going to have more hours on the clock, but the productivity mm-hmm. is going to go down. Oh, for sure. Because man wasn't created that way. Yeah. I think the same. you see the same thing if you, if you yeah, forsake the day. Right. Yeah. For sure. One day in seven. I've done that through, yeah. hopefully, necessity. But, yeah, it's rough. Like, it, it's not productive. It actually does, I think, make it worse. You get less out of, yeah. Practically, there's reasons as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, point eight is they're going to prepare in your hearts, ordering their common affairs, and uh, observe it as holy. So, what we should see as the church is to see that our existence is for this Lord's Day, is we order all of our affairs so that we can corporately gather and worship Him as He commands. That's that's our number one priority through everything, right? So that's the reason we order our lives to that. We order our affairs to that. And I dare say this should be taught to more people. So uh, if you, the practical examples, if your kids play sports, they don't do that on the Lord's Day, right? We don't, we don't run the Charlotte and then doing the travel ball thing so that we can observe a weekly, not observe a weekly Sabbath in a corporate gathering. That's not. That's a practical, everyday example you see now. Is we don't bow to leisure and those things to say that this should be done on that day, but we do order of our affairs so that we can gather. And I would say the Lord's Day should be seen as a day. Uh, more often than not, the kind of the default position is I come here f- for an hour. Right? I, I, maybe I'll sneak into the early service and then I'll sneak back out. Whatever you want to put in there. <laughs> that that's not a biblical understanding is you take this whole day and you order it to worship now if you're like me you can definitely be a better practitioner of that but th- that's the goal right we want to take a whole day and say i'm going to convocate this to worship of god so it's not uh, it's not a quick thing that i do on my way to the beach right the corporate gathering <laughs> yeah it is it is easier when you have more things going on right like corporately it's easy oh yeah it's, it's yeah. very easy to neglect that uh, so I, i'm not telling you practice it's what you can and can't do i'm just saying that's the principle so if we get down the weeds we'll get down the weeds here in a minute but yeah but back yeah. to the nehemiah thing yeah. wow <laughs> <laughs> no, I, are you trying to get the fbi involved here or what? <laughs> i mean probably mm. but i think i think it does it is a context of mosaic time like it is in some sense different i do think the argument here is for a principle and i right you know i think i agree with that principle now right but that would have been my initial brushing off of it from my other position of anti-sabbatarianism is like yeah. well yeah nehemiah's gonna say a bunch of stuff but he's he's in the mosaic context, right. you know Right. Yeah. Which so, you, I mean, you can do with almost everything. Yeah. So the scripture <laughs> from that position. <laughs> the main thing I'm trying to say is we don't think of the Lord's Day worship as like an add-on to what we're already doing. Right. We think of what what we're already doing as an add-on to it. Right. So everything else is ordered around that, and that's common affairs, sporting, get whatever it may be. I think it's easy to look at it in a very negative light and say yes. like, don't do, don't do, don't do, don't right. do. But 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 it's it's the same with the Christian life. I mean. Like those, we're guarding this day because of the blessing that it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're separating yourself from these things unto this reality. So, like Isaiah chapter fifty-three, um, love that or fifty-eight that reference in verse thirteen. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, 
the holy day of the Lord honorable yeah. and shall honor him not doing your own ways nor finding your own pleasure nor speaking your own words. So there's a lot, yeah, that you're not to do. Mm-hmm. But then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. There's this delight in God. I'll cause you to ride on the high high hills of the earth. Um, that is that is probably a reference to, from what I can tell, to Deuteronomy, speaking of the victory that you'll yeah. find. Um, and then feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. So then you'll receive the heritage or the promises that God has given you. Like there's this extreme blessing that is tied with honoring the day, separating yourself. So it would be like me saying to my kids, like, like, don't stay up until 1 a.m. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like they're looking at it like, oh, I could get like, oh, all the fun we could have, like all the pleasures, like, you know, yeah. staying up watching movies, eating mm-hmm. junk food, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm not saying because I don't want you to have fun, right? Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is let's order the day so you get a good night's rest so that on, you know, on the next day you're, you're able and equipped to go. Like you were, you, you, there's a blessing mm-hmm. to having a good night's rest. There's, yeah. a, there's a blessing to, to resting in God, worshiping Him, setting this aside. It's not because I don't want you to like, have fun. No, you have six <laughs> days to do that. Right. You know? yeah. like this day is a day mm-hmm. that you are to delight in God, and He will bless yeah. that reality um, simply by you observing the, and receiving the benefits of that day. Yeah. And I can say, as I've, as I've, hopefully by the grace of God, if I've matured anyway in my walk, it's, it's, I love doing that now. I delight in the Lord's day and what He's commanded me to do. I delight in singing His songs and hearing His words. Right, so it, it it's really truly rest in that sense. It's refreshing. It's rejuvenating. So whenever whatever reason that I don't do that, I feel it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's tangible to me when I do not. Uh, as far as my own thinking and my own Christian walk, <clears throat> but that's that's the ordering of affairs. So uh, the the recreation is pretty funny here, especially if you. Uh, so if you know the history behind these things, so you got the, 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 the decree of sports, the book of the book of sports as they would have <laughs> called it. So yeah, at this point in From time, James. Yeah. So yeah. it's James and it's also in Charles. So they institute this book of sports. And this is really just a poke in the eye at the, at the Presbyterian ministers <laughs> at this point in time. They just said, Hey, read this out from your pulpits. This is all the things they can do. Oh no, Sunday. they mandated it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have to, you have to do this or we're going to, uh, remove you from your mm-hmm. from your uh, clergy there, and so I'll jump in because this is fresh for some reason. Now that you mm-hmm. bring it up yeah. on my mind, the idea was we need a fit and robust fighting population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thus on Sunday you should do something. Yeah, you can do some recreation to stay in shape. Yeah, for lack of a better, they wouldn't have said it that way, but yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. And this is a poke in the eye because at that point in time they're warring between each other anyway. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of division in the Church of England. I think. I think um, there was some practical consideration of that. I yeah, mean, that it did have tradition in English common law going all the way back to uh, to King Richard, who had specifically allowed Sunday. The only thing you could do on Sunday was practice, ar- practice archery. Yeah, and yeah. the reason was that he, he needed good archers. I mean, that was that was that was his that was his. his <laughs> you can't do anything else it. but make sure you shoot your bow. Right? Yeah. So yeah. So that's what they mean by recreation. And if you know the history, I just I just find that kind of funny. Just not yeah, it wasn't so, funny at the time, and I'm not saying that's right. I'm just like you read the history, like yeah, I understand where they're coming from. But right. It, but anyway, so I think if there's one thing in which uh, that is against Puritanism and its is its sense is that they take point eight here, which I think is true, and they become myopic on it. So the point where they would say to people, like, uh, if you're a housewife, don't wash dishes on, on Sunday or something like that. Like, whatever you do, just make sure to be extra away from that. 
I don't think it's wrong in principle. I think with the way in which they used it becomes uh, not good. I would I would argue that they cite Matthew twelve. Do they they do yeah. yeah. So and they cite one to thirteen and and like my looseness in my Sabbatarian position, I I would articulate it from that passage. Like I would right. say there's there's a lot more. I don't know if we read that. Well, we read Nehemiah. We can read it now if you want. You go ahead. It's a lengthy passage, but okay. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's do it. Go, yeah, go for it. Go ahead and read it. Too. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place where there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now when he departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into the pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Yes, now. Amen. Let me say. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they're using this to highlight acts of necessity and mercy. Now, I'm going to get in trouble with the confessional thing here. I would go a step further, and I would say the fact that they are plucking grain and eating grain directly from the field, the reason the Pharisees are up in arms about that is because it's work. Okay. Um, a modern application of this is you can't go to McDonald's. If you're a Sabbatarian, you can't go to McDonald's on Sunday. And, and that entire vein of conversation, right? My argument is that they do so correctly. Like, I do think this highlights an act of mercy, an act of necessity. But I think a step further, it really does highlight, to some extent, as we've already said, like the principle of them being closed would be good, st- stuff like that. But to, and this 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 part of me being a loose Sabbatarian, I think, does hopefully doesn't make me at odds with this confession, but I do think it's it's the wrong question to ask, I think. Like, can we or can we not go to McDonald's, for example, or can we or can we not vacuum our floor, things of that nature. I think, I think it's much more what Jesus is stating here of him being Lord of the Sabbath is that it's much more for something particular as opposed to not for something else. Even though I agree with the way they state this, and I'm not against it. I'm not saying they're wrong in their statements. No. I just think they are broad, and so yeah. I don't know how, how I'm articulating yeah. so, that very so well. A strict or a, this is my interpretation. Yeah. So a strict or a loose Sabbatarian, and that usually revolves around the restrictions of which you would give somebody on the Lord's Day. Yeah. Either one of those things, I think, are confessional. So if you're, so if you're strict, if you're strict Sabbatarian, as in like I just eat and then I come back and then I sleep and then that's all I do. Whatever else you want to put in there, <laughs> right, right. whatever the strict as you want to be, like that's fine. I'm not going to say you're outside the confession. Or if you want to say, hey, the corporate gathering is there and then the principles there is gives me freedom in my action. Like I agree with that, and that's also confessional. Well, m- most strict um, adherents to this would say that loose Sabbatarianism is outside. 
I mean, so the, you know, maybe the prickliest of them. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there's some prickly. So ones. we can you can be as prickly as you want as far as regulation. It's not given to you. So as I as I said, uh, you see the work done on the Sabbath, on the Christian Sabbath in the Acts. Uh, you see those things going on. Those people were working and worshiping in the evening. So that's just providential things. Uh, so as you talked about the acts of necessity and mercy. I think they're using the plucking of the heads of grain as a necessity. Yeah, so you have to eat on the Lord's Day. So if you want to be that right. myoptic to say, hey, you can't prepare food, like that's ridiculous. I agree. You know what I mean? I agree. So and they would say the ordering of affairs would mean that you make food on Saturday. I can't in any way in good conscience bind you to any of those things. Right? I can't either. So I can give you the principle and then realize that you have the spirit and then say use that to, to your knowledge. That's like that's the same. That's the same crowd that would say, "Hey, you're sounding pretty loose, Sebastian." Yeah, I am. I, I, yeah. <laughs> so that's the same crowd that says that you can only sing the Psalms. That's the same crowd. That's the same argument there. It's to say, and you need experience for that. What is that? There you go. That's where you dropped the microphone. You broke it. <laughs> Gosh. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So, uh, comment, comments, I guess. So, so, so what you think on that? I mean, so as far as the, the regulations. Maybe I'm given, taking it too far to be too loose on it, too. You know, as far as. So there's blatant things that you should do, and there's blatant things that you should not do. Mm-hmm. As far as. It, as far as this confession is, I don't wish to be the Sabbath police and say, follow you around <laughs> and say, don't do that and do this. Yeah, yeah like I mean that's that's there's a danger there, and and if you go down that road too far, you end up doing exactly what the Pharisees did. Right. You're right. Um, yeah. Because then you you start making rules of you can walk this far, mm-hmm. you can take this many steps, you can do this, but you right. can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really not what the Sabbath was about. I mean, as Jesus Himself says, the Sabbath was made for man, for man yeah. not man made for the Sabbath. Um, you know, and I think it's important. Ultimately, it's really it, it, a lot of it is conscience. I think, in in a very oh, real sure. sense, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're if you if you if something when you when you really look at it, you're like that doesn't that doesn't seem right, you know, you know, then you should then you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, you know? I so, mean that's that's absolutely that, that that's just an absolute. And like you said, there's some things that are pretty explicit you should not be doing on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and there's things that you shouldn't that you. That you should be doing on the Sabbath, right? Um, you know there are there are acts of necessity and of mercy. You know those are things; those are real things that must happen. Um, yeah. Some people define those things a little bit differently. <laughs> you know what what is an act of necessity? What mm-hmm. is an act of mercy? Um, you know, a very strict Sabbatarian would would have a very small understanding view of what those things are, and mm-hmm. a loose Sabbatarian might have a uh, a much broader context yeah. of what those things are yeah so i think romans 14 is exactly it, it, like it, applicable to this situation here so when it's not abolishing a uh, a lord's day gathering what it is saying is, is this is conscious before you right so when you don't have explicit regulation whatever your devotion is to that day it's 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 a matter of conscience right uh so that's what's going on here and that's the application of romans 14 so in no way could I ever give you regulation that's not laid down. I can't do that. I don't have the authority to do it. I can give you principle, and then how you adhere to that is according to your own conscience. And I can't bind you. So the corporate gathering of worship, I can bind you to. Because the Scripture does, right? And, and so we see that. The main thing I wanted, wanted to take away from that is, is that the Lord's Day is a day. So you should take the day and observe it, right? Not just a simple as you move into something else. 
And also the act of necessity and mercy that needs to be talked about. So if you're a nurse, for example, and you work on Sunday, that's not sinful. That's great. I, I, I like to stay alive and I like when people keep me alive. I like when I have power, like when the power plants are running, things such of that nature. Uh, and God and Jesus himself says that right there in Matthew 12. <clears throat> so that's what, that's what that's all about there. So, Obviously, I get I work for the power company, so when I get called out on Sunday, I'm not like somehow my conscience is not greatly scarred. Like I understand the act of providence that, that is, and the understanding that that's a work of necessity and mercy. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, police I think officer or whatever. To add to that, I'm just going to quote Waldron on this here. Now, of course, there are other things that which must be attended to besides the holy business of the Lord that we've been discussing. There are works of necessity that must must be done. Police, corrections officers, soldiers, nurses, doctors, and other people must work on the Lord's Day. Meals must be prepared, and people must eat on the Lord's Day. The other common functions of life that must be done every day must be done on the Lord's Day. The notion that no work of any time, kind uh, may be done on the Lord's Day is wrong. I mean, that's yeah. pretty straightforward. <laughs> Amen, yeah. And, and it's broad. I think that it's broad enough. Right? So I can't it's, remember... We don't, we don't aim to make a list to say, like, these five restaurants you can work at, these five you can't. This one you can stop in. And, again, I know that we probably us four, right, probably mm-hmm. aren't going to do that. But uh, there is a vein of people that are 1689 confessional people that really staunchly believe, yeah. you know, a, a strict Sabbatarian understanding. And they would argue that from this point, like, you have to be pretty strict to, to be confessional. I yeah. know I've, I've heard of an example of someone being put in a church discipline for playing catch with their kid in the parking lot. Right, I which mean, is good not. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's an act of fellowship. You see what I'm saying? That's an act of worship. I mean, uh, you that's know, an act I mean, of fellowship and worship. That's I would argue is. that that goes right along with um, with uh, Deuteronomy 6. You're you're spending time with your kid and, and you are. Um, huh. Interesting. Sorry, folks, we're having some technical <laughs> difficult going on over here. Had to be Mitchell. It, it, it wouldn't be anyone Mitchell else. had to be the one. <laughs> oh lord! I think you're back. How are we looking there? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Mac problems. Someone dropped it. Somebody dropped it. Yeah. Just remember, folks. Modern Reform Podcast is raw. Coming at you live. And real. <laughs> Sometimes we have technical difficulties. Really, just today. Yep. Oh, hmm. Interesting. There it is. The hum. The hum is back. Now what's going on there? No, no, there you go. Maybe flick it one more time. Oh, that made it worse. We had it. There you go. Anyway, feedback's what it is, yeah. Yeah, so I can't remember what we were saying now, but... Um, well, we've been talking about necessity and mercy. Yeah, right. Necessity and mercy. So what, so I wouldn't, what I wouldn't say if, like, whatever your job entails is in, like, if it involves working on Sunday, that's not in itself sinful. So what I would advise people to do is, as we said before, is to order your whole life around this gathering and understand that it's, it, it, without that, you wither on the vine. So without 
a corporate gathering, you're not nourished or growing as a Christian, or are you engaging in proper worship? So, uh, so if it comes down to like I'm going to take a job where I'm flying around the country and I'm always gone, or I'm going to make thirty more, thirty less thousand dollars, just make the less money. That, that's the understanding of ordering of common affairs. Uh, that's an example, and that's that's a broad application there, but. Yeah, I mean, it's something definitely worth worth thinking about. I mean, really, I think you could um, take the, uh, you really have to sort of distill this to the principle, which the principle is the Sabbath is a central portion of the Christian's life. Yeah. A central, a central, um, you know, it, it's that, that center point, really, that anchors everything else, and so, at least in terms of your week and how your week's going. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's the way that you rest. It's the way that you com- com- you commune and fellowship with your fellow believers. It's the way that you gather and worship your God. You know, all of these things are are contained in that Sabbath in the Lord's day. Yep. And so with that being in mind, you really have to ask yourself the principles of, you know, how am I truly honoring the Sabbath? How am I preparing myself for the Sabbath? What am I yep. doing to truly make this the Lord's day? And I think that's a lot of the difference. So we talked about the further communication. What was that Christian liberty that you have in the indwelling of the Spirit? Right. So we talk about the removal of the uh, of the sacramental, or not the sacramental, but the uh, uh Topological ceremonial, ceremonial. Thank you. The ceremonial elements of those things. So, in some ways, under the law and under that testament, you had regulations for all things, right? You had to do this, do this, don't do that, do that. And I think Colossians is saying you're free from that, right? So, so you have now a further communication of that things. That means we've used this example before, but if I leave my nine year old at home by themselves, I'm gonna say, don't turn off the oven, do this, do this, don't stand under the sheets, like lock the door, call call the neighbor, like all these things. Versus when somebody's 20, I'm going to say, see you later, you know. So that's a further communication. So when I say I don't have a million regulations on the Sabbath, I'm going to say you don't need it. You have a further yes, communication of those I, things. I think that's why why I would still say I'm loose, Sabbatarian. Right. It's yeah. really a, a deeper issue because I, I think you don't have to do that. And I think when you become and, my optic, as in the actual practice, that's the uh, what MacArthur's probably reacting against. Yeah. To say that this is now not setting you free, but burdening you in the sense of like mm-hmm. I, I become so introspective. Is is like is that step to the glory of God in His worship, or is it not? Yeah, and, it, and it's just not good. And, and you know, you're missing the principle. Acts that. fifteen, for example. Yeah, right. Does not include a Sabbath. <laughs> right, but I think necessarily contained in it is, of course, for meeting on the Lord's day, and right. that's not under examination there. Right, but it. I think when Peter says we're not going to bind up things, lay them on you that we couldn't keep, it mm-hmm. includes the Mosaic Sabbath. Yeah, it includes that. In, um, yeah, okay. Yep. It, I, I firmly would assert that. Yeah, but I don't think it nullifies all the things we've said here. That the you know Sabbath principle remains and all that. Mm-hmm. But, yep. You know, good. You got any thoughts on that, Damon? Uh, any particular questions? <laughs> Either one. <laughs> Just feel free. <laughs> so, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, the the idea of being taken up of the, of the whole time in public and private exercises, I think, could be oh, misconstrued. I'll say it like that, misconstrued. So when I try to delegate to someone what that private worship has to be, for example, I think. Yeah, right. I don't think I can do that. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. 
So would you describe yourself as a loose or strict Sabbatarian? I'm somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. so that's a, I'm getting more. I'll describe myself. Like, like as an individual and personally, uh, yeah. convicted more to, to, to kind of regulate the day. Um, yeah, I think that there's a lot of subjectivity um, there within the confession. I think there's a lot of liberty yeah. um, within the confession. I think, uh, you know, from a New Covenant perspective, don't necessarily have the, the same um, – ability to regulate right. other people's days yet at the same time i do think that it's important not to be so loose that you actually lose the principle altogether mm-hmm. yeah. you know you, you can't just say like yeah there's there's so much liberty there that, that the day actually just looks like every other day yeah and i think that it should be a different day i think that mm-hmm. it should be set apart i think that when it starts to, to when it begins to to look like the other six days of the week mm-hmm. um you're, you're actually you're, you're breaking the command I agree. you know i think that i think that there is wisdom in in so so if we're going to regulate the day individually and as a family and we're going to argue the same way that we did with the law of god as theonomist mm-hmm. general equity I do think that if you're going to take this moral law, that there is some things to look at as far as general equity goes. Yeah. You know, that there's reasons in which the day was regulated like it was. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you take a one-to-one parallel and you move over, you know, you know, all the commands that Israel had to my life, but to look at the wisdom of the regulation and say, like, how can I apply that today to mm-hmm. my life? I think that there's, I think, I think that if we're going to be consistent, as you know, theonomist, if you will, then you have to also take God's law of the Sabbath and do yeah. that as as a people, as yeah. a person, and as a family. Yeah. So I do think that there's wisdom there in looking at the way the day was regulated by God, not by the Pharisees, mm. you know, and used for the good of the people, and say that that I'm going to do that now mm-hmm. um, in my life. I think there's wisdom there. That's a great point. So personally speaking, I w- I would be very strict in my observance. So that's a great point. So you want to look at devotionally as myself, as however strict you want to make that. Like that, that would be great for me, and I, I'll be there. Probably not a great practitioner all the time of those things, but it's very easy to get distracted. But that's obviously my goal. So in my own personal devotion, <clears throat> yes, Amen, and I would agree with that. So it. So how do you apply that outwards, like you said? So I would take the, the general equity of those things and say this is what we should do, and then worship should be our central uh, avenue there. So that's a great distinction yeah. to make. It's the, the problem that I have is when you get external to others, yeah. and then I, I bind you to think. That's why I would classify myself as a loose Sabbatarian in that way. Not to say that, well, like I said, the obvious things are obvious. We talked about somebody in the bass boat fishing. I can't, was that, that was with you, Nathan? Wasn't it? Yeah, that was... The yeah. example I gave of the uh, of the guy who's, you know, thinking about the Lord on the get the lake, something like that. Yeah, you so, know, who, who's uh, thinking about uh, God on while fishing rather than right. being in the in the congregation, right. thinking about fishing. So, so obviously, yeah. obviously, we we obviously we we would say as a church, you can't do that. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So these these extremes, and just like everything else, when it comes to church disciplines, the streams are guarded, and then we understand the the struggle in the middle, right? So in that same way, that's why I would classify myself as a loose Sabbatarian. Yeah. Obviously, in my own devotion, strict, but in, and outwardly, I would say loose. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Mm. But yeah, so that's a great. Appreciate it, then. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I think acts of mercy, acts of necessity. Again, there's there's probably liberty there, um, as you had said uh, previously. I think that I would encourage my people as well as myself to to think through that and to try to guard the day in reference to 
even their profession, things like that, you know. Mm. Um, I'm a registered nurse previously. I worked a lot on the Lord's Day, you know, at different times, uh, particularly when somebody was having a heart attack. <laughs> you know, I would say that's probably a, a decent use, you know, of acts mm. of mercy. That that's, uh, and that's necessary, and that's a good a good way to employ the day, compassion on others, extending mercy um, to others. Um, but I would encourage somebody who's regularly being, um, who's regular being taken away on the Lord's day to even rethink that, you know, even as a, even as a man doing that, um, in the profession that I was in, just saw also the toll that it took on me personally Mm. as an individual, as a family. Um, and I think that it does over time, you know, and I think we have to, we have to weigh that out. That some people are made for that and some people are not. And the older that I get, the more that I'm not. You know, <laughs> uh, I read a study the other day about just sleep. And uh, a study had been done and that a man who, who generally works shift work was the, um, was the conclusion that a man who is up 25 days out of the year uh, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., um, will not live as long as the others mm. get a regular pattern of sleep. Um, that they are more prone to cancer. They're more prone to heart disease. They're more prone to pretty much everything um, because the body was made to sleep mm. for a period of time, actually during the night. So, um, and whenever you get outside of that pattern, it really messes with, the health of a, an individual. Mm. Um, it makes you more prone to certain types of diseases. And I would say, this, I've found the same thing true with my own spiritual walk as well. That a man who doesn't learn to spiritually rest, mm-hmm. um, who doesn't take the day, who doesn't utilize it appropriately, uh, I wouldn't necessarily be a tyrant and say, like, you know, we're going to put you in church discipline now. But I'm saying, brother, like the Sabbath was made for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you were given a bed for a reason, and you're actually, the patterns of life would dictate when you should sleep. Right, so so I would actually say that you're getting is so, so so the man who works night shift all the time, like he may get more sleep than the person <laughs> who doesn't, but he's still more prone to yeah. health issues because he wasn't made to sleep during that time. Mm. You know, the the light goes out and your body regulates itself and and actually it gets deeper into that pattern and you get better REM sleep whenever um, when the lights are 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 on, your body actually knows that even though you're not awake. That not only were you made to sleep for a certain amount of time, but you were made to sleep during a certain period of time, and mm-hmm. that's in the night. That's why the the seasons come and the seasons go. That's why the sun goes down, and your body naturally, your naturally goes into that that reality. I would say the two is the same of the Lord's day. Mm-hmm. I would say that it's not only one in seven is important, but actually God has ordained a day, and that when a man doesn't find that rest, uh, he mm-hmm. is prone to certain uh, healthy, uh, spiritually unhealthy. Um, realities yeah. and that he should be resting. So I would encourage you know, people to, to organize and pattern their lives around yeah, the gathering of God's people, but also that day. And if you're continually finding that this job or this reality in my life, this practice is preventing me from that, the wise thing would be to reorganize your day and your week yeah. and rethink life. I agreed. I can speak to that personally. At one point in time I was working construction and I worked uh, 14 12-hour days so and i would work 13 i worked 13 and i'd get one off and i did that for six or eight months and by the time that 13th day rolled around i it, i physically couldn't do math like it, it would take me a good 10 minutes to do a simple math problem 
and that was the, it was just not good spiritually it was not great either <laughs> both <laughs> both of those things because i was not gathering i did not have the opportunity to do that and i i, I would i would leave at dark i'd come back at dark and my spiritual growth was in the negatives and and as far as the cognitive function it's just it just wasn't there like that's just not sustainable something you can do and i did that for six or eight months and it was terrible so yeah, like damon said keep that in mind that's the reason we were saying it's the prioritize of your common affairs in order to do this right and whatever sacrifice there's no sacrifice too great for that yeah i think there's a pattern there you know again just pattern of sleep pattern of uh uh, would kind of correlate with pattern of even spiritual rest. I think acts of, nece- of necessity, acts of mercy, would not necessarily fall into that pattern. Right. Those would be things that come up. Mm-hmm. Those are things that would actually um, mess the pattern up. And he's saying right. these things are lawful, you know, and you understand the right use of the day. Um, this day's for you, but at the same time, um, things will come up, necessity, mercy, in which you give yourself over to. But that's generally not the pattern. Mm-hmm. Like right. When it starts, those things start becoming a pattern, and you're you're misusing the day, or you're neglecting the day, or you're not getting the benefits of the day. That's when you kind of need to rethink. Yeah, I think the, the pattern of your life. I would say if you're also an employer, and 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 you are a Christian employer, <clears throat> whether you have to be open on Sunday or not. If you don't have to be, don't. So right. close your business, right? That This is a practical observance. Let your employees go and observe the day. If you have to be open on Sunday, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, the, the lawful, lawful reason. So <laughs> uh, rotate them. Rotate your employees. Open late. Whatever you got to do, you know what I mean? Right. To make this a priority. And do that in your own life as well. Practical question. <clears throat> yeah. For the minister on Sunday, sometimes it doesn't seem like a day of rest. Yeah, that's that that that's a great point. So yeah. you you can see the priest working in the Old Testament on the Sabbath, not being Sabbath breakers. So no, 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 not right. that it would no, break no, it. No, I know, but you know, yeah, practically. So so practically, if you are a minister, Sunday is usually pretty involved. Especially depends on how many people you got and all the things else. There's many ministers that are bivocational, especially that preach at least three times, you know, twice, you know, morning and evening, and also they have a Sunday school lesson. So uh, that is, um, that's the reason we see a plurality, I would say. Uh, we share that burden. So we sit under the word and we, and we also administer it in both those ways. So uh, that's important in, in that delegation and that plurality, I would say as well, that you, that if, if you're providentially there, I actually listened to a, <clears throat> a teaching. It was from covenant Baptist, I think, but he said there was a, they were talking about somebody or something. They said, yeah, I, I taught all day on Sunday. I had a Sunday school lesson, and I taught morning and evening. And he said, practically for me, I took my suit off when I went home. <laughs> That's what he said. He said, I took it off to make sure that this is decompression at that point in time. And, and that's wisdom in that. So, you know, burnout's a real thing, and especially if you're if – you're, ministry, what little bit I've been involved in is very taxing you know, because of the, just because of the call and what it, the magnitude of it. So you're not obviously you're not breaking the Sabbath when you administer God's word and you do those things. But, oh no, no, but, yeah, yeah. But practically, you, maybe you take another day in which that you rest. You know, I know I mean? Spurgeon took a midweek Sabbath, right, um, <clears throat> specifically because of that fact. Yeah, um, I think that you can, in some sense, mitigate that with a plurality. But you know, you, you, it can be it can be a challenge mm-hmm. um, practically. Yeah, um, and that that's that could be true for pastors, for mm-hmm. elders, for for um, you know, for deacons, uh, yeah. even to a lesser extent, to other people that perform 
services and, and functions in the church. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it could be pretty involved. I can speak from personal experience here. It could be pretty involved here. Right. And so, I mean, it's, it, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, roles, responsibilities, functions you, you have to perform on a given mm-hmm. Sunday and that can make it not feel particularly wrestle on some, on right. some, some Sundays. Yeah. I think the main thing we see the Lord's day, it's not a mere rest. It's not a. It's not a mere that. It's, it's not it, on the bass boat, right? You're not out on the boat right. fishing. It's a rest for worship, right? Yeah, I think that as we're talking about that, I thought the same thing. Like, yeah. What we're talking about is like throw your hands down, and do nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. Agree. Right. You know, yeah. Even the people of God. So, mm-hmm. so I think the minister, yeah, he gets the bulk of the work. But I think something too that's been lost in many um, church communities is just the participatory. Um, active worship. Yep. You know, like even, even the people who come, like, yeah, they're not getting rest on the pew, or they shouldn't mm-hmm. be getting rest on the pew in the sense of, like, I can just check out now. Right. Mm-hmm. You're to be engaged in worship. Mm-hmm. You're singing the songs, the hymns, yep. you know, the psalms, the spiritual songs. Yep. Like, you're, you're receiving God's word. You're applying that. You're training up children on the pew. You know, like, mm-hmm. you're, you, we should all be engaged in a work. The work yep. should be refreshing and joyful, though, mm-hmm. you know, in which we're resting in Christ from our works. Yeah. Um, and that it should be participatory. Yeah. Um, yeah. Therefore, yeah, yeah I, I think the, the distinction, yeah, the thing that's been helpful to me is, you know, works of mercy, necessity, and piety. Piety, piety being yeah. that devotion to God of the priest within the within yeah. the framework. The priestly at, work. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we're all priests. Right. You know, and we're all working and laboring mm-hmm. like in Christ because of Christ on, on that day. So in some sense, we should all have that same battle. But definitely the the the, the pastor, the pastoral staff, or whatever, um, is going to have the bulk of that. And, and, and to be honest with you, yeah, like most days, it's not that restful. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's been a struggle with me personally as a minister. Like I, I, I've not done that well, mm, right. you know. And and I can tell uh, very quickly um, the exhaustion that will come with that. Like I've not been to sleep in right. nine days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore, that's something that the minister should yeah be at the forefront, and the church should be guarding. Yeah. You know, is, is how do we practically how do, how do we practically apply that from a ministerial perspective? Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, you're going to have a man who's uh, who's ministering has been up for for days spiritually, yeah. and he's not got the rest that he needs. And you, you'll be able to tell. Yeah. And um, and that, that's that's a real a real concern. Yeah. From from my experience in pastoral ministry, there's no amount of effort that's too much. You know, as far as how much can I do, how much should I do. You just got to understand, you've got to rest in the sovereignty and, and, and make sure your other duties, such as your family and things of that thing, are attended to. There's there's no amount of time that I that you couldn't spend in pastoral counsel. You know what I mean? Yeah. But w- we have to order those things according to God's word and have the priority in those things. And, and yeah. rest is one of those priorities, right? So. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not easy, especially as a young man. You mm-hmm. know, as a young man, even like physically, I can remember days in which I could go without sleep. I can remember days as, as a nurse, you know, mm-hmm. and like working call hours and getting up in the middle of the night in the rush. And your body's <laughs> able to compensate, but there'll be yeah. a time whenever you lose that because <laughs> of we're mortal men. You're right. You know, and the ministry is the same, and that's why spiritual burnout is probably as high as it is because as young men, you push mm-hmm. yourself and push yourself, and you don't take the wisdom of yeah of older men and actually organize your day, and you create habits and certain patterns in your life. Yeah. which will will make you prone to to uh yeah yeah just exhaustion and, and a tiredness yeah. in which you may even get to the point of disqualifying yourself because of that yeah um, which is which yeah is, is not a good place to be <laughs> right. yeah. at all um so you need to guard those things yeah. um initially yeah in a, in a lot of ways that's uh pride so in my yeah. own working i want to think well the, 
the kingdom of God needs me to do that. You know yeah. what I mean? As in, like, I just have to get that done and do it before the kingdom of God. As if, like, as if it's not going to be accomplished, and I'm just, I'm, I'm a partaker in that. It's God's right. work, right? We, we've got to understand that for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Sabbath will help you. It'll humble you in that. Oh, like, God, sure. I need a day. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Like, I need rest. Yeah. You know, um, and actually, I was, I was created for that. You know, it was created for me. And I was created to need that, and therefore I should rest in that reality. And yeah. it even, that even points me to Christ, my dependency upon Him. <laughs> right. You know, um, yeah, that I yeah. should be organizing a day and a pattern of life in which I'm getting the rest that I need. Um, but and again, same thing with you know, like you can be up three days straight, mm-hmm. and you can have you know seventy-two hours. Um, but you realize that after a certain mark, like it is, the quantity doesn't match quality, mm-hmm. right? Like the quality of 16 hours a day with eight hours of rest will always exceed the quantity of, you know, of 48 hours unrested. Yeah. You know, because you start to lose that mental capacity, the cognitive ability, the mm-hmm. physical, you know, your whole body just suffers from, from, yeah. from exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And the same is true spiritually. Like we mm-hmm. must learn to rest in Christ. And one practical way is to honor the day. Yeah, and it's not more pious, for for your example, it's not more pious if we run ourselves ragged and, and do those things and don't reserve. It's easy to look at yourself like a martyr <laughs> and like and, <laughs> as a hero in the faith and be yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's virtuous. <laughs> yeah, and at the same time, but but it's, but it's not not if you're neglect not if it's causing the neglect of your family, mm-hmm. not if it's abusing the home, not if it's causing you know the, the church to um, cease to function in the way that honors God. Not if you're not able to perform the abilities. Not if you disqualify yourself. It's yeah. not virtuous. Yeah, yeah, like you're, to, to martyr yourself. Right. Um, on the on the on the platform of disqualification, yeah. you know, because you did not utilize wisdom, mm-hmm. and that's one problem with young men. You know, oh, we're, we're sure. generally not born wise. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> and that's we been try my to, experience. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> you know, um, and you need the multi generation. Yeah. really, you need kind of the the tutelage and the wisdom of older mm-hmm. men um, who have been in the ministry, and you need to listen. You yeah, know, and learn that, that to pattern your life early in the day so that you'll have a long ministry mm-hmm. um, over time. That's qualitative. Not necessarily quantitative. That's that's the same. It takes a church to raise a Christian, right? Yeah. So we, we see sense, that. Yeah. yeah, in some sense, yeah, you yeah, need right. wisdom. Like you're not sufficient in yourself. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can speak. If you speak personally, I I prepare at least two, if not three, lessons a week. I've got a full time job. I have two kids. I got another one on the way, and I'm in seminary. So those things can become overwhelming if you let it in the sense that you don't prioritize the right things as your family or, or whatever else you want to do. So it's important that you do that. We're getting into a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that's, that's, true. <laughs> yeah. that's true. I also do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just saying like, it's, no, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy to say, Oh my gosh, look at me, how great I am. And I've just got to devote my life to these things yeah. and then, and then just do those things. But, that's it's not more pious for me to to do those things. That's what I'm saying. It, it's it, 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 piety would be to rest in Christ and to rest in His work and those things. Oh yeah, to trust the ordinary means. Like yeah, yeah. yeah I don't have to martyr myself. Right. Yeah, you know, and self-flagellation and and all that. I mean, it's just it's it's not always that pious. It, yeah, can, right. it can be prideful. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Amen. 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 Yeah. Closing thoughts. I think. Big takeaways. Say that. <laughs> this, is, this is a beefy episode for two points. It is. Uh, but that's the reason we split it up. Because yeah. I knew this was going to turn into. But, which yeah. is good. It, it, just, it needs its own, you know, it needs special attention. Right. Especially in our day. So the big takeaway, the assertion in point seven, New Testament Sabbath, Christian Sabbath, however you want to slice that up. The Lord's Day 
in our estimation, is the Christian Sabbath. And because it's a Lord's Day, because that terminology is used, and because you see the observation of it in the New Testament by the uh, apostolic witness and then the churches following that, 1 Corinthians and Acts, uh, <laughs> we think it's biblically required to understand it this way to some extent. Like we're, yeah, yeah. Or we do have a Reformed tradition, you might say, but ultimately that's rooted in biblical text and hopefully continuity with the early church, right? Mm-hmm. as we've said. So, not a novel idea. In fact, the idea, this is the idea for the vast majority of time. And, uh, yeah, so that's the theological point. Practical point, yeah, it, it's there's room for disagreement on certain things, but in general not yep. forsaking the assembly of yourself and doing so on the Lord's Day. Yeah, right? be be as, be as strict as you possibly can be in your devotion on Sunday, but not binding others to that. That's what I'm saying on those things. Yeah. So as far as as far as the uh, big takeaways, you're going to see that Sabbath is a creation ordinance. It's instituted in creation and in the garden. Adam observes it. Abraham observes it. Whatever else you want to put in there. It's the pattern is from creation. That's the moral aspect is the pattern. Uh, so it's the one in seven pattern. The positive aspect is on the new covenant. There is a new day of worship predicated upon the resurrection of Christ in which the, the regulation given to you and the rest of the points is to be put into practice in the, in the triune God is to be worshiped in that way prescribed on the Lord's day. And that entails point eight, the practical application of you, you preserving for yourself the whole day of worship. You order your affairs to those things, and you do those things accordingly that you can be faithful in that. There you go. Yeah, I would just add on that. I mean, the Sabbath is for our good. And, you know, again, I would reiterate that the Sabbath was made for man, not man made for the Sabbath. Um, You know, obviously, God determines how we worship, and we should definitely, uh, you know, follow his example and his wisdom in that. But ultimately, we recognize the Sabbath is not a burden; it is it is a joy mm-hmm. to fulfill. It is a, it is something that is for our good. It was instituted for the purpose of us um, living the well ordered life that God intends for man to have on this earth, and mm-hmm. it's it's vital that we recognize that if we wish to live the best way that we possibly could, um, according to the way that God has made us. Yep. Well said. Well said. Amen. If you made it to the end of that podcast, <laughs> you deserve a reward. Through, through Mitch's Reach literal, through Mitch's literal mic drop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, that's that's upsetting. I apologize. And I will say in closing, uh, the one in seven means the other six you're working. So Christians aren't apathetic in those ways. As in, we're actually putting these things into practice. We're actually doing these things. We're working jobs and. In no way here is saying, well, just don't do anything and sit around. <laughs> no, in fact, which, rest is only... Which, if you hear that, yeah. we didn't say any of those things. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, really. Yeah, that's the main thing. But, yeah. Rest is only restful when you're tired. When you're tired, yeah. right. And you should be tired. <laughs> yeah, We should be tired daily, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, the Protestant so. work ethic is, is mm-hmm. really the practically the big thing about Protestantism. Yeah. That, that really is the, the unsung hero of the Reformation. I agree. So, And I'm, I'm big on the Protestant work ethic. Yeah, you are. You know, a lot of people are, too, and they're not even... Religious, <laughs> but I think it uh, made the West as prosperous as it has. Hundred percent, big way. Hundred yeah. percent. Yep. Agreed. Uh, th- nothing else in closing. I should probably stop talking now. You so. should. I agree. Anybody else? <laughs> Just <laughs> going to quit while I'm ahead, Mitchell. That's okay. right. Thank you guys for being on here. Mm-hmm. It's it's been hopefully edifying to someone. It was definitely edifying to me. 
Yeah. Sorry about the destruction of our microphone equipment at, at some point. I'm sure you'll be back in a couple episodes anyway, so I'll, don't yeah. go too far. I'll, I'll keep You think so? Mind. Just stay in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> stay in the lobby, man. Yeah. Uh, coming up, uh, lawful oaths and vows. I'd like to yeah, have everyone back for that. That's that's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, so lawful oath and vows be chapter 23 coming up. God bless you as you go forward. <laughs>